Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 92nd annual critically acclaimed Oscars podcast. If you're trying to sound like the announcers on ABC, you need to sound a little bit more like, uh, like a little bit more smirmy. Uh, Thanks for coming to the 97. Like they sound a little bit yeah. somnambulistic. It's like, mm-hmm. welcome to the 97th annual Academy Awards. Coming up next, we have Kate Mara. Presenting the award for best documentary short, you know whatever it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, makes you not want to be there. My name is William Bibiani. <laughs> My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for the Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bebs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic for IGN. Everybody calls me Rockmeister McCool. And we are here today to talk about the 92nd Annual Academy Awards. They are this coming Sunday. Uh, the fastest turnaround for the Academy Awards in my memory. Yeah, earliest in the year that is. Well, I mean, they were they announced the nominations, and I think within a month mm-hmm. we were having the actual Academy Awards. Usually, you had to wait until at least February. Back in my day, you had to <laughs> wait until March. That's true. They Sometimes were, the end of March, I think. They, after a they while. were pretty late in the year, and I appreciate that long grace period. You'd think that's like, oh no, that's too much time for politicking, and studios can whip out you know new kind of ads campaigns. And ad indeed, campaign. that was one of the Why major not? arguments yeah. for for truncating that time yeah, they, they was didn't want the advertising yeah. and, and the politicking to take over that season, which it indeed had. Yeah, um, Miramax was uh, notorious for this, just um, shoveling money into the Shakespeare and Love ad campaign. The Shakespeare yeah. and Love ad campaign. Uh, if you were watching Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> in 1998, which true. I was, which is true. Uh, <laughs> This is, no, this is I was in college, but I was still watching Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, there would be on at least one station every week, like a sixty to ninety minute long sort of making of docudrama about Shakespeare in Love, yeah. in order to get you more interested and in thinking about it more and voting for it for mm-hmm. the Academy Awards. Indeed, it won Best Picture. I attribute it to those ads. Well, it certainly helped. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, if the movie is like. I mean, let's look at the Best Picture nominees right here. I mean, there's a few, like, when was the last time you heard any Best Picture Oscar buzz for Ford v. Ferrari? Uh, not not a wit. Nobody's, excellent film. Nobody's talking about it. Excellent film, but they're not, like, really, it doesn't even seem like they're really trying for that one. Yeah, it's like. It's just like, we're really happy we got the nomination. Mm-hmm. We're content there. We're throwing all our money behind whatever else the studio has yeah, in contention, J- like Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, J- James Mangold is like, really? Well, okay. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good, says James Mangold. <laughs> the director of the picture. Um. These sorts of campaigns weren't new. Um, I actually, as a, a projectionist at the New Beverly, you know, we get some weird ephemera and odds and ends and flotsam and jetsam that come through that booth every once in a while. And I remember getting sort of a, a making of documentary on 16 millimeter film uh, for the 1970s version of The Three Musketeers. Oh, there you go. And it had like interviews with Michael York and the stars of that movie. And yeah, it was just another one of those things. Here's some shots from the set, and here they are talking about the movie. And. I wasn't exactly sure where those were supposed to show. It was on 16mm, so I'm guessing it was a TV thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing it was maybe some sort of Oscar or awards campaign device. Perhaps. We did not invent this this whole Oscar campaigning system. I've read... I mean, I wasn't there at the time. I'm not mm-hmm. that old. But uh, when John Wayne's The Alamo mm-hmm. came out, apparently there were Oscar campaigns... 60? Yeah, 1960. One? Yeah. He directed that one, right? I'm not crazy. And like he, uh, it, the, the idea was, of mm-hmm. the Oscar campaign, was if you don't vote for the Alamo for Best Picture, yeah. you are un-American. Mm-hmm. That was like, they, they went for it. Mm-hmm. It did not work. You may have noticed the Alamo did not win Best Picture. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're still but, uh, deep in the middle of it. There are controversies well, everywhere. The, people talking about whether or not so-and-so deserves to be nominated, and mm-hmm. why isn't the Joker just declared the runaway winner now, and 
everyone has their favorites. Everyone has the stuff they think is overrated. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But what we want to do right now is we want to give each category... It's due. A, a talk few about words, it. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about the nominees in every single category. Some of the categories are for achievements that I don't think everybody completely understands. Some mm. of the categories uh, are for films that a lot of people haven't seen, and I can talk to you about all of that. And so can Whitney. I've mm. seen all the nominees. He's seen the vast majority. Uh, I have not seen three of the documentary films. I've only seen two of the five, and yeah. uh, I haven't seen. Uh, Kathy Bates' performance in Richard Jewell. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen all of the other nominees. That's that pretty were damn good. Up for, uh... Oh, and I haven't seen all of the films with songs in them, because I haven't seen Breakthrough okay. or, or Rocket Man. I those, have. Those are, those are my blind spots this year. I have to say that right that's, away. That's, and, all things considered, that's pretty mm-hmm. good. Oh, and also I haven't seen Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. That's You're, another blind spot. Uh, and you'll never have to. Also another caveat, uh, Quentin Tarantino's film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is uh, up for a lot of awards, and mm-hmm. I can't really comment on the film itself. I yeah. can maybe predict what I think will win, or just based on Yeah, I mean, don't, buzz, don't, don't, I do. don't, don't count yourself. Don't, like, if it seems mm. like a frontrunner in something, don't feel afraid to say you think it will win just I, based yeah. on that, but you cannot comment on whether or not you like or dislike it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so these predictions... As these things typically go, don't run right in line with our taste. In fact, they usually run kind of counter to our personal taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we have, as we like to point out every year, the Academy Awards are no actual arbiter for a film's quality. Yeah. Uh, they're they're not any kind of ultimate arbiter for, in fact, the most popular films of the year. Uh, this is just sort of what a certain group of Academy voters wants to ensure that the public sees as important to in the eyes of posterity, and. That is a very specific realm of criteria that I think we're we're narrowing in on. Yeah. Uh, plus, a lot of it has to do with the politicking that we are talking about, mm-hmm. and the, the time the studios spent pushing certain films, the and buzz, the narrative and, around the films, how likely they're considered. Yeah, all, but all of those things actually do come into play when it comes to selecting a best picture winner. And indeed, and winners in all the other categories. Mm-hmm. So we ha- what we have here is we have the ABC Oscars ballot, the printable ballot. You go to their website. Thank you for printing one out for me. Uh, and we're going to go in reverse order on this ballot, but uh, we're going to skip over Best Picture and Best Director and do those last. So that's, that's kind of like they do at the series. If you're asking yourself, yeah. why are they doing it this way? This is uh-huh. how we chose this order. It's not alphabetical or nothing. Mm-hmm. We're just doing it the way it is. Uh, so we're going to start with, and we're going to do each category. We're going to announce the nominees. We're going to do a little commentary. And we're going to say our, our picks for each. Um, and uh, I cannot wait because this is going to be a mm-hmm. yet another <laughs> year at the Oscars where I'm sure everything is going to go great. There'll be no controversy whatsoever. Uh, the first category we're going to be talking about is actually Best Original Screenplay. Uh, the nominees are Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's Murder Mystery, mm. uh, Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach's story about a divorce, ah, eh? even the title's clever, uh, 1917, uh, Sam Mendes's film about uh, a man on a mission in World War I, uh, shot all in one take, or at least that's what it looks like, mm. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, written by Quentin Tarantino, about uh, 1960s uh, TV actors and stuntmen uh Going through the 1960s, basically. Uh, and uh, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, which is about a impoverished family who latches onto a rich family and... In, in secret. Yeah. yeah, in secret. And secretly starts conning them out of their money. Mm. And uh, What film do you think should win this category, except uh, allowing that you're not even allowed to consider Quentin Tarantino's film? Yeah, uh, I th- well... I think Knives Out should win this uh, this category. Um, It's the only uh, Oscar Knives Out is up for. I think Knives Out is one of those clever, twisty screenplays, sort of like uh, that you see kind of come through this category occasionally. Mm 
uh, or these two categories. There's like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, or the and, usual suspect, yeah, these sort of like, like that, crime yeah. stories that are a, a little difficult to follow, but have a lot of really interesting characters and interesting set pieces. Almost every year, you'll find like one nominee for best original screenplay that mm. probably isn't nominated for anything else, or maybe like one other category, yeah, yeah. like editing or something. Mm. And it's usually the cool one. Yeah, and like I think, Nightcrawler was nominated in this category. It's like, ooh, how cool! I, I think Night, I think Knives Out is the cool one this year. Oh, definitely, and it has the benefit of actually being followable. It's actually mm-hmm. not opaque. Yeah, you fall, and I love all of the characters in it. I love a lot of the the weird sort of twisty scenarios. It feels really stagey, but that's definitely by design because it feels like kind of a corny detective novel. And yeah. I think uh, it was really really clever of Ryan Johnson to. Uh, write something sort of this broadly comedic and also this just sort of brilliantly assemble. There's not a lot of holes in this. It's really tightly put together and it has a really good social message at the end of it. Yeah. Um, the actual winner is going to be Parasite because yeah. I think Parasite is going to be shafted in a lot of the other categories. Oh, that's a shame. And I think that it's, the screenplay award is going to be sort of its major consolation prize. I don't think it's going to get director. I don't think it's going to get picture. Interesting. Um, I, I I agree that I think Parasite is the film that is likely to win this category. I think Quentin Tarantino has a chance in this category because he writes films that feel written. Mm-hmm. And people like that. On the other hand, you could say the same thing about Knives Out. It's a very clever uh, airport novel, murder mystery. And if that if Knives Out wins, I will be exceptionally happy. Okay. I don't think it will because it just doesn't have the support across the board. However, of all the uh, films that get nominated for just this category, nothing else, mm-hmm. I think Knives Out has the best chance because everybody likes it. Yeah. It's not like Nightcrawler or Ex Machina or something where it's a little off-putting. Everyone has a good time with Knives Out, and I mm-hmm. actually wouldn't be shocked if it won, but I'd be very, very happy. I actually want Parasite to win this. Okay. I think of all these nominees, I think Marriage Story is a fine little character work. Mm-hmm. Didn't blow me the way the way it did some people, but it's a very good screenplay. 1917 is a very functional screenplay. I think it it works. I would not have nominated it. I don't begrudge it this nomination, but I don't think it's a particularly interesting screenplay. Mm-hmm. And I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, it takes big swings, and I think it whiffs it too often. Mm-hmm. Parasite is a screenplay that feels perfectly structured without hitting all of the Robert McKee bullet points. Okay. It feels like everything is perfectly well designed. Every twist that you do not see coming because this doesn't follow conventional genre formats. uh, Once it comes, you're like, oh shit, I should have seen that coming. I didn't know to look for that. Mm. It's such a brilliant screenplay that feels like exactly the kind of movie it absolutely needed to be, mm. but no one but Bong Joon-ho knew, knew this movie existed. <laughs> you know? like So I think, I do think this one is, I think it will win, and I actually think it should. Okay. Uh, but again, if Knives Out wins, I will be extraordinarily happy, because what a... What a great, uh, what a great screenplay that <laughs> yeah. is. Um, so anyway, uh, so that is original screenplay. Let's move on to adapted screenplay. Whitney, mm. what are the nominations? Uh, the Irishman, uh, Scorsese's crime film, uh, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Taika Waititi's light comedy about Hitler Youth, uh, Joker about the man who grew up to beat up Batman, uh, <laughs> Little Women adapted from the Louisa May Alcott novel, and The Two Popes. Uh, of course, I want Little Women to win. Uh, yeah. li- little Women is. Uh, it's another one of those films that actually is up for multiple awards. The director isn't, which is a crime. And yes. 
And uh, it, it's one of the best picture nominees that, yeah, nobody's talking about as having any sort of serious shot. This one in Ford v. Ferrari or down near the bottom when it, you know, yeah. all of the odds pools. Which and is ironic because everyone likes those movies. I've never heard anyone mm. say a meaningfully bad word against Ford v. Ferrari. And the only There's, complaint yeah. I've heard anyone lob at Little Women of, of any resonance is that we really need another one. And if you watch this movie, <laughs> you go, oh shit, apparently we did. Mm. Because this actually updates the text really well. Um, I think Little Women is easily the best adapted screenplay of the year. I think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it captures everything that works about the original text and it updates everything that doesn't. Uh -huh. And in a way that redefines some of the characters without just changing them willy-nilly. The ending is sublimely clever mm -hmm. without, again, changing the original text, it, except it, it does. <laughs> it changes the original text but kind of turns it into a meta text, which I love. It's really quite, it's really quite deft and brilliant. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to win. I think it has a shot. Okay. I think it is honestly, I do think I think it is the second most likely to win in this category. Mm. I don't think the two popes has a chance. All right. Um it's a nice screenplay, good for them for the nomination. I don't think it has the traction. Joker has a chance, but I do think most people agree that the screenplay is not the film's best part. It's very derivative. Yeah, yeah. Not just adapted. Like there's adapted this is in the adapted category because the Joker was a pre existing character. Exactly. Not because it was based on a specific mm. Story. Well, yeah, but it was. It was based on the King of Comedy. Exactly my and, point. And I think, um, and that's why I think it's actually the front runner. I think Joker oh, is, really? is going to win Best Screenplay. Interesting. Um, again, I, th I think Little Women ought to. I agree. Um, I, I don't think the Joker is a good screenplay. Actually, I think The Irishman is a pretty excellent screenplay, the way it mm -hmm. reduces these characters down to bickering little boys. I, I, I is, agree. Is I would be really, very happy. Really, really, really wonderful. I want Little Women to win. I'll be bummed if it doesn't. I would be reasonably happy if The Irishman mm -hmm. won. But I think Jojo Rabbit's going to win, because I think okay. it's the one that is... Uh, it's it's, it's screenplay-ish? Well, it's a little flashy. Okay. You know, it's hard to it's hard to miss. Mm -hmm. You can't like start taking it for granted. The one thing Jojo Rabbit has going against it is there is a small but vocal contingent of people who just don't think it's funny. They don't get what that movie is doing beyond beyond ha Nazis are stupid. Mm -hmm. And I think the movie's doing a lot more than that, but it's easy to write it off if you just tune out after the first scene. Mm -hmm. So it's possible it'll lose some traction there and then it might go to the Irishman or Little Women. Or even the Joker. I think the two popes has no chance. No. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm predicting Jojo Rabbit to win. I'll be reasonably happy if it wins. But if Little Women wins, God, please. <laughs> Greta it would make Ger me so happy. Just throw as many as we can at Greta Gerwig, please. please. All right, the next category uh, we're looking at is Best Visual Effects. Mm. The nominees are Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And I'm going to say it right now, they all have very excellent visual effects. They all have excellent visual I, I, However, I might feel about those movies, the visual effects are yeah. wonderful. I, uh, I actually, the, the question of The Lion King bugs me because the question is, there's only one shot in that movie that isn't a visual effect. They just hmm. threw it in to see if we'd notice. Yeah. Every other bit of the movie isn't a visual effect. It's, it's animation. It's animation. Um, there, is, there is precedent for that, though. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas was nominated for Best Visual Effects mm. when, it was, well, and, when it came and, out. And again, we're talking about visual effects, which is not anything specific. That's actually a very broad definition. Right. Uh, visual effects pertain to a lot of different kinds of things. So, well, would um, you be comfortable if Toy Story 4 was nominated for Best Visual Effects? Do you feel like that's um, the same thing? No, uh, well... That's the thing. That's the question. It, it, again, it, we're talking about an animated film that sort of pioneers a new kind of animation in a new sort of way, then I'm okay with that. Like, but it's if, not if, pioneering. If, if Toy Story 1, Toy Story 1 got a special Oscar. It did. For its, its special effects. Same with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 
Yes. Uh, they, they actually had to sort of go out of their way to say, but this is actually really above and beyond. They did the for animation a lot. I remember yeah. it was actually the year after Snow White came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snow White, they gave Disney a special Oscar and seven and little seven Oscars. Seven miniature Oscars. Which I is really fun. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I, 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 think, think, I take issue with Lion King being in this category. I think it just belongs in the animation category because it's I, just animation. I agree with you. Yeah. But I think the Academy doesn't know the difference. And mm-hmm. the fact that uh, the company that put out The Lion King has been sort of muddying the waters as to whether or not it counts as visual effects or animation. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is a live-action Lion King. No, it's not. This is an animated film. It's 100% animated. Just because it looks photorealistic doesn't make it any less animated. Yeah. And that's that's been really getting under my skin because they've been trying to sort of push this as a live-action thing. And now they're saying they're going to do a live-action Bambi. And I'm like, no, you are not. Unless you plan no, to shoot a real it. deer. Like, you're going to... Yeah, <laughs> if they start like training actual animals and like yeah. actual animals, I'll totally call it live action all you want. Knock yourself out. That's literally was... the term live action was literally invented in the 1940s. You can find it. Oh. <laughs> it was invented in the 1940s because we, after mm. the, the preponderance of feature length animation, we started needing terminology to mean not in any way animated. Mm. <laughs> so once you start using it to describe animation, the, that's lost not its meaning. That's um, not the evolution of a term. That's just the neutralization mm-hmm. of a term. So I actually think because uh, I, I had this, the Lion King was one of those films that it's sort of like Avatar mm-hmm. or Life of Pi or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, where digital technology has just sort of taken another step up. I've never seen anything like The Lion King mm-hmm. in terms of its visuals. I think the film stinks. I think the screenplay is awful. Uh, I don't like any of the the, you know, the voice performances. Don't, don't match the, the animation. I'm it's, actually not. I don't think the screenplay is awful. I think the, the direction of the screenplay yeah, the, is the, awful. The, the aesthetics uh, and the way it matches the material is completely off. I think it's one of the worst films nominated this year. Agreed. But I think the special effects are spot on. And if I were to choose, I would actually select that one. Um, you would actually you would actually pick, you actually vote for The Lion King? I would vote for The Lion King. Interesting. Okay. Um, now, I know Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and Avengers Endgame were also mostly animated. There are sequences that are just all in a computer. I was actually really uh, impressed when I saw like some of the behind-the-scenes footage of, like, what was animated and what wasn't like uh-huh. the scene where they're just gonna they're all gonna go back in time and they're all wearing like their time suits uh-huh. they were all wearing green screen suits because they didn't know what they would look like I didn't know those were CGI suits yeah. <laughs> they looked very real I was very impressed well, by and that there's several characters that are realized through CGI and yeah. like several characters that are done but, in motion but those, capture I know and, yeah. those there's all these effects that I didn't know were effects Okay, and I'm usually like a pretty good eye for that but like I'm watching this I'm like wow you really tricked me I really didn't think that that was an effect Okay. I think they did an excellent job. Okay. Um, I would actually, if I were voting, I would mm-hmm. vote for Avengers Endgame. Okay. Just because it's it's a Herculean effort. I think all the characters that were animated had to be animated differently, and they're all thrown together in the same scene. I think it, it's actually kind of amazing how well it works, and it could never have worked without all those visual effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what will win, mm-hmm. and I, here's, here's my thing about uh, the Oscars and the visual effects category, and I think if you look back, especially in recent history, this tracks... They don't necessarily vote for the film with the best visual effects. They vote for the best film with visual effects. Yeah, yeah. They vote for the film that they feel less least embarrassed mm-hmm. about giving an Oscar to, which is why. And if in like I'm trying to remember like which Planet of the Apes film came out the year Hugo came out. It was either Rise or Dawn. Mm-hmm. Those movies have groundbreaking, game changing, like motion capture effects, mm-hmm. and Hugo won. Mm-hmm. Hugo was a good film. Hugo was a handsome production. I 
I couldn't remember more than two shots in that movie with visual well, effects if you put a gun to my head. There were there was the CGI automaton. Uh, there was a lot of camera. Even that work could have been work. practical, yeah. and I wouldn't have been shocked. And and uh, also Scorsese shot in 3D, so they're sure. giving him some uh, some credit it's, for but that. But you see what I mean? Like it's not really the visual effects achievement mm. that something like Dawn or Rise was. So uh, so for me, I, I discount Endgame and Star Wars right off the bat. They they don't have a chance. Mm. Uh, this is going to be between The Lion King. I don't think it's likely just because it's not a popular film, even though it made a lot of money. Um, I think it's between 1917 and The Irishman. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to go to The Irishman because I think that is... Although you can still see the scenes and the technology as they digitally de-aged Robert De Niro and, Al, and not Al Pacino, and uh, Joe Pesci in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the technology getting there to the point where this really can change the industry. Yeah. So I think the Irishman is the one that's actually gonna win. I, I agree. Okay, I, I think they're gonna vote for the. Irishman. So you would vote for the Lion King, but you think the Irishman is gonna win this category? Yes, indeed. Well, I can work with that. <laughs> uh, next up is sound mixing. Yeah, uh, it's different from sound editing. I'm mm-hmm. glad that there are two different categories. They were threatening to c- collapse them into one. And like, I would get it, but you just have to give so many more people Oscars. Yeah, you know, yeah. like anyway, it's because they're not they're different disciplines. Again, if you don't know the difference, and a lot of people don't, mm. quick primer: sound. Editing is the creation of new sounds. You take different sounds mm-hmm. and you splice them together and you come up with a new sound effect that's never been heard before. Really good example of this is the movie Top Gun, mm-hmm. where they went to a battleship and they actually recorded actual sounds of planes taking off and engines roaring. And when they got back to the studio, they realized those those engines sound like shit. <laughs> so they ended up creating all those really cool sound effects off of like slowed down lion roars and everything. And so mm-hmm. those were edited sounds to create a new audio effect. Mm. Sound mixing is the art of actually mixing the sounds, different levels, putting them in the back rear channels or the front or mm. having people walk around you. Like all of that like 5.1 Dolby surround sound, that's mixing. Mm. So how and, all, and that that also includes like getting Sounds out of stock libraries and, yeah, uh, the things that weren't created originally for the film. Yeah. So, basically, it's the difference between creating sounds and making sure those sounds sound good. Mm -hmm. So, sound mixing is making sure they sound good. What are the nominations? Uh, The the nominations of sound mixing, Ad Astra, and it's only a nomination. Uh, Which is crazy. I finally caught up to that movie. It's a really impressive, like, visual and and Mm -hmm. oral accomplishment. It's not a great movie, but what a a stylish film. Uh, it, It had me for, like, the first... Like maybe forty minutes, and then I just completely like it comes to a dead halt. There's a just one moment where just everything stops. I, once once uh, they hit the baboon, I was like, "Whoo!" Yeah. I, I started really getting into it for a second, and then yeah. I just died again. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ad Astra, Ford versus Ferrari, mm-hmm. uh, which is a car race movie. Yep. Uh, Joker, nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I'll, I'll just save us a little bit of time here. I think 1917 is going to win all the tech awards. Every single I, one. I, I think it's it's going to sweep through a lot of these categories. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not nominated for more than you'd think. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah. these sound category. it was up for visual effects, and I, mm-hmm. and I said, uh, and I don't think it's going to win visual effects, but it's definitely going to win both of these sound awards, because it's up for both. Uh, it's, it's the kind of really arty, traditionally Hollywood film uh, that is very flashy about the way it was made. 1917, I think, is impressive because it's a film that is telling the story of World War One, but it's also telling the story of its own making as you watch it. Good point. Uh, and I think uh, if just some sort of 
some random actor who's in the academy yeah. who doesn't know a lot about sound mixing is watching it. They're noticing the craft more than any other mm-hmm. any of these other nominees. Well, uh, in 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 terms of most of the craft of 1917, so I think it's going to win. I think. What would you What would you vote for? I'd vote for Ad Astra oh, uh, because Ad Astra. Uh, had a really clever use, I think, of the way sound travels through vacuum. Mm. How certain things were loud and certain things weren't, and the yeah. score uh, took, took hold in certain scenes and didn't in some others. Some scenes were dead silent when they would otherwise, in a, a lesser film, be sort of noisy. There's a dune buggy chase with laser guns. Yeah, like a, like a moon yeah. buggy like chase. The moon That's buggy, one yeah. of the coolest action sequences of the year. It, Nobody talks about really it. It's really great, that action sequence, but uh, because it takes place in a vacuum, we can't hear a lot of it. We hear like mm. some more immediate rubbling, and I think that was some really good sound work. So I agree. Yeah. I, I would love it if that won. I don't think it will. Um, mm. uh, I actually agree with you. And we're just, and to save time, mm. uh, the uh, nominees for best sound editing, which again the creation of sound, yeah. Ford v Ferrari, Joker. I don't even know what the fuck sound they edited for that one. Yeah, I, that one. That one baffles me. The I don't Gary think. Glitter song. Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, let's see. Ford v Ferrari, Joker, nineteen seventeen, Once mm. Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I also agree with you. I think 1917 is going to win both categories. However, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a runaway, and I would not be shocked if this ended up going to Ford v Ferrari, which is the movie I would vote for in both categories. Okay. I grew up um, when my dad was a mechanic, and specifically he worked on motorcycles. <laughs> oh, I, I hadn't taken this into consideration. No, he, my yeah, dad. I, I knew your dad was a mechanic. Yeah, he was a mechanic. He specifically he restored British motorcycles, specifically uh, uh, Norton Commandos and uh, Triumphs from like the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And so I'm used to that environment of engines rumbling and this one isn't working right. And you can tell just on the sound of it. And you can tell the sound of a different kind of car just by hearing it drive down the street, even if you're in your living room. Like, I got used to a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And Ford v. Ferrari, I think, is very canny in its understanding of how engines work, how engines sort of represent the strength of the people inside the car. Mm-hmm. And they, the way that they manipulate the sound to, like, really just juice it up. <laughs> it's a very macho film, and I think it's the most positive film about masculinity we had all last year. Yeah, it's yeah. in, in it's a not, really good way. It's not about wounded masculinity; no, it's, it's just about, about d- it's, dudes doing dude stuff. Yeah, and they're very happy to do mm. dude stuff, and they do dude stuff really dude well, mm. and that's great. And I like that a lot. I think if Ford v Ferrari wins anything, it'll be one of these categories. I wouldn't be shocked if it splits somehow. Mm. Like Ford v Ferrari wins best sound editing, but 1917 wins best sound mixing, or vice mm. versa. Um, yeah, the sound editing uh, nominees, by the way, aren't aren't one to one. Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, mm. nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But instead of Ad Astra, it's Star Wars. Yeah, um, which is fine. Star Wars has a lot fine. of great I, sound effects. I, in it. There's it impeccable a sound design. I, absolutely, and hmm. but I feel like. Uh, Especially, you know, now that one they're in the fifteenth film in the series, mm-hmm. they're just sort of reusing a lot of sound effects. True. <laughs> um, it sounds like a Star Wars film. It's it's kind that, of that's the thing that's holding it back. It doesn't do anything to, yeah. new. It doesn't add a new sound effect to the lexicon. It mm. doesn't have a new type of visual effect we've never seen before. It's not even. I mean, it's, uh, Phantom Menace didn't win Best Visual Effects. It lost to The Matrix, which introduced entirely new things to the mm. cinematic lexicon. But it's actually kind of weird. That Phantom Menace didn't win Best Visual yes. Effects because Jar Jar, I know people don't like the character, was a massive leap forward in well, motion the, capture. And, and a lot of the sort of completely created CGI environments mm-hmm. was a new thing at the time. And 
if you're looking for a sort of like a, a the turning point in modern special effects, it's the Phantom Menace. Pretty much, uh, it's a really important movie. Say what you will about how bad it is. Yeah. Say all you like about how bad it is. It's actually quite a bad film. <laughs> I agree. Uh, but yeah, but in terms important. of in terms of yeah, pushing technicals forward, it's at least just as important as the original Star Wars. All right. Uh, the next category we're talking about is best live action short film. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the most recent episode of Critically Acclaimed Proper, it's the episode where we review Gretel and Hansel the rhythm, and the Rhythm Section, we also review every single one of the Oscar-nominated shorts. So we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this because we talked about them at great length mm-hmm. on a most recent episode. Yeah. The nominees for Best Live Action Short are Brotherhood, about a Tunisian family dealing with uh, the return of one of their sons who had joined ISIS. Uh, Nefta Football Club, which is about actually two Tunisian teenagers who stumble across a big like store of cocaine big yeah. store of drugs and like what are they going to do with it uh, The Neighbor's Window which is about a middle aged couple who start living vicariously through a little bit of they're, like lazy voyeurism they just see their neighbors through their window a lot um, let's see Saria uh, which is about uh, an a really horrifically like Dickensian abusive orphanage in Guatemala mm-hmm. and an attempted escape from all of the abused kids. Uh, and a sister, which is about a woman who is being kidnapped and is pretending mm-hmm. that the woman on the other end of a phone isn't 911 and pretending it's her sister. So she's having this mm-hmm. two-sided conversation. Uh, uh, what do you think will win and what do you think uh, should? Uh, for the longest time, the conventional wisdom is like the single outlier will be the one that will win. Like if, yeah. the, if they're, they're all, all serious, they'll pick the funny one. Yeah, if they're all serious, they'll pick the funny one. If they're all really funny, we'll pick the serious one. Um, if that were holding true, then it would be uh, an FTA football club. That's the funniest film of yep. the lot. But um, I think I, th- I think a lot of Academy voters are going to go for the one that feels most like a recognizable type of film, which is The Neighbor's Window. Yeah, I think that's going to win. Uh, which which I I won't begrudge that. I think it's a fine film. I think yeah. the performances are really good, and I think it gets to something really sort of uh, important about being middle aged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my personal favorite of the lot was A Sister, just because mm. that sense of panic was something very real and something I could relate to personally. It's a very suspenseful yeah, film. Yeah, it's, it's it's really suspenseful, but I think it, it actually works incredibly well, just sort of his own little mini-movie. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, it's, my ongoing s- theory... The, s- s- sorry, yes. Just Saria is, uh, I think... Um, Maybe a little too dour. For it's voters. very dour. Yeah, I, I will say this. Um, my prevalent theory for this category mm-hmm. is the Academy tends to favor the short film that feels most like a short feature film mm-hmm. than something that actually feels like a short. Yeah. And as a result, there are two films that I think are in serious contention. One is The Neighbor's Window, which feels like it easily could have been like a 90-minute, mm-hmm. you know, slice of life, Mike Nichols kind of movie. Uh, or it's going to be Saria, which is has all the intensity of any like serious Oscar contender film. Um, I think if you watch them all, and they should, mm. God only knows what they actually do, um, I think that The Neighbor's Window is going to feel pretty insubstantial compared to Saria. So I think Saria is going to win this. I would not be surprised if something okay. else does. Uh, but I think Saria is going to win this, and I actually think it should, because I think it's a really right. excellent, excellently made film. All right, yeah, um- it, it's it's kind of tough this year. There weren't any that I just hated. No, it was actually <laughs> in, pretty in the, solid in all of the shorts categories. All right, what are the nominees for best animated short? Uh, animated short we have Daughter, uh, Hair Love, Kit Bull, which is about a kitty and it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Memorable and Sister. Yeah, a, a Chinese film. Uh, I'm 
really kind of stoked that there's no CGI films this year. Yeah, Max, most sort of, of them are stop motion. Three of them are stop motion. Two of them are cell animated. And mm. um, yeah, we're still celebrating all kinds of animation with this category. I think that's really great. My favorite of the lot was Memorable. It really just mm. sort of hit me deep. I think it's very emotional, even though it very strongly resembles a film from just last year. Uh, there's no way that one's winning, though. It's just mm. a little too oblique, I think. Um, uh, I, and again, uh, Academy voters also tend to skew a little bit toward the things that feel a little bit more conventionally, for lack of a better term, Disney. Uh, things yeah. that, that are a little bit more broadly recognizable mm-hmm. as conventional animation. Sure. And I think of those, I think that's Hair Love. Yeah. And I think Hair Love is going to win uh, because it's it's sweet and light. The animation is quite good. And it, it has... Um, I think it's it's a really kind of corny movie, but I think it has a little bit of an emotional point to it. I think it has more mm. than an emotional point. I think it actually has a cultural point to it. Mm. Um, I think it will win. I think it's it helps that it's the only animated short that anyone's like really talking about. It's got mm. buzz. It's, it's a popular children's book now. Um, I think it feels like the animated short of the year, and I mm. think it will win. I think it arguably should win, although I'm going to say this right now, I'd be very, very tempted to vote for Kitbull. Because <laughs> Kitbull's, it's impeccably animated, it's it's very like sad and sweet in a way that, yeah, it's mostly manipulative, but I didn't mind it because it was done so well. Mm. So I think I might have voted for Kitbull, but I would be intensely happy if Hair Love wins, and I think it will. Uh, which means uh, P- Kitbull is actually a Pixar film. That's true. And Pixar, you know, the name is derived from Pixel, they they were always a CGI animated studio, and this is the first Academy Award nomination for them for a non-CGI film. I think you're right. Uh, and if, if they're going to be using their studio to push all animation, I'm mm. all for it, yeah, you know, because we're going to start to learn that they're, they've always been more about storytelling than yeah. technology, even though they're also about technology. All right, the next category we're going to be talking about is Best Production Design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nominees are The Irishman, uh, you know, gangster picture, mm-hmm. 1960s recreations, Jojo Rabbit, World War II film, uh, uh, Behind the Lines in Germany, uh, 1917, which is, of course, a big epic. World, World War One trenches, uh, yeah. Once Upon a Time, in Hollywood, recreating all of 1960s Hollywood, uh, and Parasite, mm. uh, which is present day, but very specific. And when you mm. find out that like literally everything in the film was on a soundstage and you had no idea, <laughs> it's pretty impressive, yeah. actually. They well, did a really there, excellent job. There, there were a few locations, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but the house, both the houses house, yeah. were, like, it's a really, you'd never know. The, the houses were were built as sets. And there are, there are two notable locations throughout the, the entirety of Parasite, and yeah, one is the the impoverished family's home, which is below ground. They have windows up near the ceiling, and it it feels incredibly lived in. Uh, it's it feels like a kind of little cheap little basement apartment that would fill with water, uh, and the amazing production design on the rich person's house, and how it is just this sort of wide open square space that still feels like an actual space, feels like an actual home that would have been built, mm-hmm. and. It's acknowledgement of the way space operates in an architectural sort of way is is really, really brilliant. And I think that house alone needs to get an, an award because mm-hmm. this area that feels like it needs to be filled is finally being filled. And yeah, I, think, I agree. I, I think would... a lot of the story and a lot of the character is being communicated through that house. If I were voting, I would definitely mm. vote for Parasite. And um, I do yeah. hope it wins, but I don't think it will. Uh, I, I think the actual winner will be my boss's film, uh, just because of all of the buzz that's been surrounding it. Yeah. Uh, my boss recreated a lot of 1960s 
Hollywood in in fetishistic detail. I think yeah, it's fair yeah. to say without without that's not he even went, a criticism. He, he that's went just, to he went to old locations yeah. and shot you know things that were around in the late 1960s, but then he also like recreated some things using practical effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been getting a lot of awards. A lot of people have been talking about it. I, I can't comment agree. on the film myself, yeah. but I think it, I think it is going Look, to win based on the buzz. I, I, it's well established mm. that I'm not a fan of the film. However, I do think it's impeccably designed. Mm. Um, again, I would vote for Parasite if mm. I were voting, but if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wins this, I'll be mm. very, very happy because it did a spectacular job. I do think it does have some competition from 1917, but I think if you just think about the actual sets that were created, because mm. 1917... Most of it's outside. Most of yeah. it's digging a trench. Most of it's like out in the woods. It doesn't. Re- it's not really the same kind of accomplishment, I think, as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was, where they take you all over Hollywood, sound stages, restaurants that no longer exist in that form anymore, and it is like going in a time machine. Mm. I think it does a really excellent job. Right. Okay, uh, next up, best original song. Uh, again, I haven't. I don't know the song from Rocket Man. I don't know the song from Breakthrough. I've. I've. I know them all. Uh, uh, frankly, I think this is a very poor year for best original song. And none of these are really standing up. There's one that I think does, but it's All one right. you haven't heard. Uh, so the nominees are I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4, which I couldn't hum for you if you put a gun to my head. <laughs> I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, Elton John's song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough, which is uh, the Breakthrough is a Christian film. Uh, it's a very Christian inspirational song. It's actually a pretty good song. All uh, right. I'm going to say that right now. The movie got completely overlooked. As Christian yeah. as Christian movies go, I mean, not some people are just gonna you know not be able to get on that wavelength no matter what. But as Christian movies go, Breakthrough is actually a really good one. Mm-hmm. So uh, kudos to, to Breakthrough. Um, Into the Unknown from Frozen Two, not even the best song from that movie. No, why? Where is Lost in the Woods in this conversation? That's easily the best Lost most memorable Woods, song in that it, movie. It's the best song. It's the best moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's the only. It's really the only good part in that movie. I know. I don't think it works. Uh, and then Stand Up, which is another mm-hmm. inspirational kind of tune, uh, mm-hmm. and it's from Harriet Cynthia Erivo, who's nominated for Best Actress. Uh, she sings it. It's a good song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a pretty clear-cut winner. I think the song that will win, and I think the song that should win, mm. is Elton John. Oh, okay. When you watch Rocket Man, and you should, by the way, it's really good. You should um, get around to it. Um, I, 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 I know, you just, have access. I who, just haven't had the time. Not, you know, very few people have time for everything, mm. and I made the time, and I regret mm. it on some levels because I had sleep I could have had. But I saw Rocket Man finally. I didn't see it in its initial run, and it's a it's a blast. I mean, and I mean, like literally, it feels like they just shot confetti through a gun, and you follow the confetti, and it somehow just makes up Elton John's life. <laughs> it's it's really it's a dy- it's a dynamite jukebox musical. Right. They know how to do it right. They don't put the songs where he wrote them. They put they put the songs where they would best represent his life, okay. and it's really incredible. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get to "I'm Gonna Love Me Again," the mm-hmm. new song, which again. The, the vast majority of all the songs in that movie are from, like, the golden years <laughs> of Elton John. Like, the absolute greatest hits of his entire career. Mm-hmm. And when they get to the new one, it's not like, oh, and then there's a new one. It's like, oh, that's a good one. I don't remember when that came out. Oh, that's new. <laughs> it's just, it's mm-hmm. it's it's on the same level. Okay. It's a really excellent song. So I think that one's going to corner the market. Okay. Um, I think they're, I think what... Uh Again, I can't can't speak to that. Unfortunately, yeah, I haven't no. seen that one. But I think stand up can and should and will win. Okay, uh, from Harriet, um, Oscar so white. Hashtag Oscar Agreed. so white. Um, Harriet is one of the few films of, that is not about white people this year. Yeah, that's up up for anything in these categories. And I think this is going to be sort of 
the Academy's excuse to have sort of a representation vote. I know it's frustrating when it's that like happens. When, when though, Sel- like when Selma won best song, like um, like Selma, I do think is actually a, a really incredible movie from top to bottom, um, and they deserve that song for best original song because mm-hmm. that worth best original song because it's actually a really good song. But when that was all Selma won, it was sort of like, well, that's nice, but come on. Mm-hmm. Seriously, it should have been at least up for more than two Oscars. <laughs> Harriet so, is not compared just compared even compared to Selma, it's not as good a film. So I don't know if think, people are going to feel as like I think it's underrated. I, I think do it's agree. Actually it's quite a, quite a good film. It's I think fine. Casey Lemons made a, uh, made a good film about Harriet Tubman and yeah. sort of the way it worked. I liked the way they characterized Harriet Tubman mm-hmm. as somebody who. Um, sort of found herself in this, like, was over her head, but then just sort of kept on doing it because it was the right thing to do. I actually really like the way that that film sort of reframes her as almost a pulp hero. Yeah. In some regards. Like, they're not afraid to, like... They dress her almost a superhero costume in one Yeah, they give her... And she kind of has superpowers in a way, like, the way that they treat, like, she had, like, she got hit in the head as a child, Mm -hmm. and she's had, like, visions, but, like, they actually, like, help her rescue people, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of thing where it's like... I mean, that's a little bit of myth-building on some level, but fuck it! Let's go for it! Harry Tubman's never had a movie before. Let her have one. Like, <laughs> And I think it's tastefully handled. It yeah, is, Casey it is. Lemons no, doesn't it, make it sort of... doesn't. It, the film doesn't feel pulpy at all. It's, it's not... It's I, Again, I don't think it got like snubbed for Best Picture or anything like that, but I do think it deserved a bigger audience. I think God. a lot of people dismissed it out of hand, and I think it didn't yeah. deserve that. Um, um, but if Stand Up Wins Best, right. best Song, I wouldn't be... Mm-hmm. I, I would be a little surprised, but I, I, it's a good song. I will not at all be surprised if Into the Unknown wins. Uh, it, <laughs> it, is, it is the the one that's you know playing on kids radio and it's yeah. the one you know it's it, it's not as big a hit as let it go uh, was nothing mm-hmm. ever will be but uh but it's it's that song and um i think a lot of kids really sort of latched onto it and i think a lot of uh, academy voters probably heard it a lot and might vote for it just sort of by default yeah all right well the next category uh we're, we're talking about is original score mm-hmm. Uh, the nominees are Joker, which does indeed have a good score. Uh, Little Women, which I argue has a great score. Mm. Marriage Story, don't even remember the score. Uh, 1917, really good score, helps tell the movie. Mm. Uh, and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, probably the last John Williams Star Wars score we're ever going to get. He made it to the end. He's really old, you guys. He's oh, like 90. I, 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 I don't know about to the end. They're going to keep making these things. But you know what I mean? He made it to the end of the nine. And they're going to use like, other Other composers are going to use his score. Sure, sure. But, it's, forward, it is, but yeah. it's cool that he made it all the way and it's definitely an excellent score no yeah, one's going to take that away from the movie now john williams he's won one or two oscars but 13 oscars before and, uh, <laughs> he, he he doesn't need he, he ain't hurting he doesn't need like some sort of yeah. career cap at this the, point the, i think we've celebrated him to the extent of his talent and i think he's the, good and i think the movie i think the nominations are all rise of the skywalker needs i think that's it i yeah, think yeah, they, yeah. they got a couple of nominations for getting like, to what, the what end. is this like his 156th it's only the 92nd oscars but somehow he's gotten more he's, than 92 he's been nominated for oscars nominees. for like 50 years now like, yeah it's crazy yeah. so Good for him. Fun yeah. score. I like Ray's new theme that he wrote for these yeah, ones. It's, it's a little excellent. bit more like whimsical kind of little thing. No, it's an excellent score. I'm um, no denying it. The thing I liked best about Joker was the score. Yeah. It has this weird kind of contemplative, almost funereal score. I was reminded of The Silence of the Lambs mm. more than anything. These kind of weird, yeah. uh, moody, kind of low pieces of music. Um, uh, the composer is really, really great. She's been steamrolling over everything. Mm. Uh Give it to her. <laughs> okay. She deserves it. That's what I would vote for, and I think that is what is going to win. Okay, and that's, and that's that is what you vote for. Too. That's what I vote for. Too. I would vote for Little Women. Okay. I think Little Women has um, a really beautiful score that is sort of unlike other adaptations of Little Women. It's very playful, but it's when someone yeah. described it really well, I think it's a score you can write to, which I think is absolutely <laughs> perfect for Little Women. I well, do think it's as a, a writer, yeah, yeah. Well, a story about a writer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when it comes time to decide uh, who will win, I don't think Little Women will. I think mm-hmm. it's got a shot, but I'd be surprised. Uh, I think it comes down to Joker in 1917. Okay. And it just comes down to how many Oscars do I think Joker is going to win? Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. How, what does it actually have a shot at? And I think that this is one of the two categories where it has a real shot. But, damn it, I'm going to say 1917. Okay. Because I think 1917 doesn't... I think Joker could work with a different score. Mm. It's comparably well. 1917 needs that rousing score in order to function. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think if you if that movie was mm. I, I think if that some people called it heavy handed, I mm. agree, but I think it's heavy handed in an old fashioned like nineteen mm. twenties, nineteen thirties kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I think that all the work a lot of the heavy lifting of that movie is done in the score. Mm. So I think it's I think nineteen seventeen is gonna have a bit of a sweep, not a total sweep. Mm. But I think it's have a bit of a sweep, and I think score is going to be part of it. Okay. Especially considering it's not even up for best editing. <laughs> uh, the nominees for best makeup and hairstyling, there are five this year, mm. which I think is dramatically overdue. Uh-huh. There used to be only three. And I was like, you know they have makeup and hairstyling in literally every movie, right? <laughs> like, even animated movies, they think about the makeup and hairstyling. Well, it, it, it was like when Avatar won for cinematography. Yeah, it's like, like most of that film was created in a computer, yeah, yeah. but they had to recreate it in an artificial sort of way, so that they counted that. I, I get I still disagree with that, mm-hmm. but I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so here we have five nominees. Finally, the nominees are Bombshell mm-hmm. uh, for the, the for, movie about Fox News and the sexual harassment lawsuits. Uh, Joker, mm-hmm. you can see where there's makeup in that. Uh, Judy for making Renee Zellweger look more like Judy Garland. Uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil for giving Angelina Jolie those cheekbones again. Uh, and 1917, mostly for like gore and grime effects. Mm-hmm. Which falls in, in the makeup camp. Yeah. 100%. 100%, yes. Um, I think this one is maybe the easiest one to predict of all. Bombshell is impeccable makeup. Mm-hmm. Everyone looks like uncannily. Like the person they're supposed to look like, yeah. like, like John Lithgow as Roger Ailes is an excellent makeup job. No, Charlize uh, Theron as Megan, Megan Kelly is. Yeah. Is you? There are shots in that movie where if you told me they brought in Megan Kelly for one shot just to see if anyone would notice, like the Lion King, <laughs> I would believe yeah. you. It's uncanny. Like I'm so used in in like biopic films, mm. especially about people who I'm sort of intimately familiar with, I've seen them on the news a lot or seen their movies. Where like I was watching Judy and I was like I just mm. have to get used to the idea of Renee Zellweger's version of Judy Garland mm. being Judy Garland, but I never actually thought of her as Judy Garland. I thought of her as a construct for the film. Mm. I'm watching Bombshell. That's Megyn Kelly. <laughs> That's mm. I just believed I was watching Megyn Kelly. Mm. Like it was really astounding. So I think that one is is gonna win, and I think it absolutely 100 should. Mm. What about you? Um, I I agree. I think Bombshell should win. However, I think Judy will. Okay. Um, uh, Judy is a little bit more of the emotional film. I think Bombshell might be a little bit too controversial uh, a notion to uh, to o- award. I think people are kind of staying away from Bombshell just because it has so many political elements to it. Well, it, um, it really fumbles them too. It's hard to even it's, tell it's who the yeah, movie is even, for. It's not. Even, it's not that great a film. Uh, they want I, us to I sympathize like, with yeah. Fox News, but they also want to criticize Fox News, and, and, and they it never ends, find. And it ends up not place. criticizing Fox News. They never even find though a perspective, it's a, even though it's about this sort of atmosphere of victimization, and it ends up like turning Roger Ailes into this sort of like. Weird, sympathetic, pathetic character. Yeah, and it's really weird. It's it's a it's a film that doesn't know where it stands. Mm. There's good stuff in it, like the individual performances are good. John yeah, Lithgow yeah. is really really good. And, I think and the makeup is really good. I think um, Nicole Kidman's really underrated in it actually. But mm. yeah, it's 
Yeah. You know, there's there's this whole film. subplot about uh, the Mugurobi characters having an affair with a woman, and they don't really address that too much. No, they don't really like think they, that's important. They, they end up turning, giving, like, turning her, is she her girlfriend, into just sort of a confidant, and she ends up getting like kind of brushed aside. Yeah, the whole, the, Margot Robbie, I'm just, actually amazed Margot Robbie is even nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Not mm. that she's bad in it. She's fine, mm. but A, there was a really competitive field that year, and B, she doesn't actually have a lot to do in that film. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, but, so you uh, think it's going to be Judy? I think it's going to be Judy, because that's a little yeah. bit more of a soulful thing. Uh, Judy did have a very distinct look, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, I think a lot of Renee Zellweger's performance is informed by the hair and makeup. Great. And there were, you say that, you know, they could have snuck in uh, Megyn Kelly for a few pickup shots in Bombshell. Uh-huh. There were a few shots in Judy where I was convinced. Okay. Where it's like, oh, that wow. Like, I think she, like where she just turns around and it's just the hair and the makeup. It's the uh-huh. silhouette. It's the outfit. It's also the, the I costuming. Think, I think so much re- of that is Renee Zellweger, though. I think she captured mm. the physicality so perfectly yeah. that, mm. it, that it amplified the makeup more than the other way around. But regardless, maybe, but regardless, you so, might be right. Yeah, maybe, maybe they'll maybe vote so, for it. Yeah. It, is, it is a well. No one is saying anything bad about Judy. Mm-hmm. It's not getting a huge like it's not sweep of, of, yeah, of it's popularity. Not one of my films of the year, but um, it's yeah. it's a it's it's a perfectly accomplished biographical film about Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Renee Zellweger does give a yeah, help. I, I think the Academy is going to skew toward recreating a Hollywood legend, yeah. like Judy Garland, than they will recreating. A Fox News contemporary. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's just next, more romantic. All know? right. Next up, we have Best International Feature. Mm. Uh, some of these have not had major releases. A lot of them have flown under the radar, so I'm going to give you a bit of a bit more for primer than the others. Um, so the nominees are Corpus Christi. Uh, this is a film, I think it's from Poland, uh, mm. about uh, a, a convict who is not allowed to go into the seminary because mm. of the crimes he had committed, but he accidentally ends up impersonating a priest in a small town. It sounds kind of copper-esque. It's surprisingly dark. It is a genuine excellent film uh, mm. and I, I hope when it comes out later in February people give it a chance uh, next up Honeyland mm. uh, which is actually a documentary which almost never gets nominated in this category there's no rule against it it just almost never happens mm. um, and it is about uh, a woman in uh, Eastern Europe who is a honey farmer but she lives in the outskirts of society. She keeps her honey like in a mountain. She's well. She's a natural honey farmer, yeah. and that she knows where the the hives are. Yeah, and and just harvests from natural hives. And and the tragedy of the story is a sort of nomadic family like moves in next to her mm. and, and sees start, that. And they sees oh she's making money off of all these bees. So they start to do the same thing, and they just destroy apiary, it. Yeah. They they destroy the whole environment, mm. and then they just move on like nothing happened. And her mm. livelihood is is almost completely yeah. screwed. It's a great 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 mm. motion picture, and you should totally see it. Mm. Uh, Les Misérables. We've covered this uncritically acclaimed recently it's a french film not unlike training day it has mm. almost nothing to do with the book les miserables <laughs> um it's a, it's fine it's accomplished maybe not the standout in the category uh pain and glory the new pedro almodovar movie which is sort of a thinly veiled biopic about himself starring antonio banderas as an aging director who is looking over the mistakes he's made in his life and his misconnections excellent motion picture and of course parasite which mm. we've been talking about a lot because it's nominated for a whole bunch of categories um from bong joon ho mm. um i think pain and glory has a shot but i think parasite will win and i think mm. it should I think Parasite definitely will win. Parasite is is one of the most acclaimed films of the year. Um, yeah. I think the Academy isn't daring enough to give a, a foreign language film best picture. Um, I don't not see, yet. I don't see why not. They might someday, but um, uh, imagine how revolutionary if it did. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to give it to, be- to Parasite. It's, yeah. it's not even a contest. My favorite of this lot was Pain and Glory. That was one of my favorite mm-hmm. films of the year. I think that's uh, raw and confessional and much more humane of film than something like uh, Parasite, which is comparatively stagey. Comparatively, only mm-hmm. I say. I agree. Um, 
Also, I love Pedro Almodovar. I think <laughs> he just at any time he comes. I think this is one of his better films. Uh, it's he's not been in any kind of slump. He makes good films pretty much mm-hmm. across the board. But it's but, his best in a while. Yeah, he he I, he really peaked really high in the late '90s with All About My Mother. Uh, the last uh, 20 years, not yeah. Again, there hasn't been a fallow period. He's made a lot of really good films in there. Yeah, but I think this matches it almost. Uh, this is like a good counterpoint. To that. All right, take us into best film editing. Uh, best film editing. Uh, there was a common wisdom for the longest time that the films that are up for best editing typically match almost one for one the films that were up for best picture. Uh, and the films that won Best Editing also tended to win Best Picture. This, of course, doesn't hold true, especially if you look over the last couple of years. It's been really shaken up a little bit. But, yeah, and um, actually a lot of the frontrunners aren't mm-hmm. even nominated this time. Yeah, the film editing uh, nominees are Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. I'm glad it's not 1917. Uh 19, the whole the whole joke with 1917 is that there is no edits. Um, right. There were a few; they kind of hid them. You can well, sort of oh, award a film for being again. It doesn't have to be the most editing. No, I don't want to take. It any, just has to be the best editing. I don't want to take anything away from mm-hmm. 1917's technical accomplishments. I'm not yeah. the film's biggest fan. We've established that, mm-hmm. but it's a very good film. Yeah, and yeah, with I think one there's it's actually not all just one shot. There's one point in the movie where they're clearly intentionally mm-hmm. make it look like there's been a cut. Um, but there's actually at least one shot in the middle where I noticed, pretty obviously. Well, but like, there, there's a shot where somebody blacks out and they... No, no, not even that. There's another shot where they were trying to hide it, and I think I noticed oh, it. Oh, so. okay, yeah. But even then, it's such a hard thing to do. At the same time, though, the editing has to be done in advance. You know where the cut's going to go. Mm. That's not the same job as, as, as editing Parasite and finding together, how yeah. to pace it and how to as editing the yeah. Joker and figuring out how the best way to sort of build Arthur mm. Fleck's story from scratch. Um, so I'm actually really torn on this one. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a two-way race between Joker and Parasite. Usually okay. Best Picture nominees have a better shot here mm. unless there's something that's like really distinctly accomplished like The Matrix or The Bourne Ultimatum. Um, I think Parasite should win. Okay. And I think it will. Okay. What do you think? I think they'll give it to Thelma Schoonmaker. Um, for, for the Irishman? For the Irishman. Okay. Uh, I actually think this is not one of her better editing jobs. No, I think she, it's actually... She, been, I think the pacing drags in the middle. The, the, yeah. She, the, uh, in fact, uh, wa- walking out of the film, you know, they have a publicist there you're saying, trying to get a line as to what people thought, like immediately after walking out of the screening, and they were asking all the critics, and... I said, what do you think? And my, my first thought was just to say, yeah, Thelma needed to shave that one down a little bit. <laughs> there, you know, Thelma Schoonmaker, um, however, she's a legendary editor, um, and this is her year. Uh, she, uh, I think this is just sort of a, a chance to give her that statuette. Um, she's won it before, right? Um, <sighs> she's got to have, at least for Raging Bull, right? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking it up. if uh, she's never won she was, uh, yeah, she won for uh, Raging Bull, The okay. Aviator, and The Departed. Okay, these are um, all perfectly yeah. good wins. Mm. She's, um, she's been nominated, this is her uh, eighth eighth nomination, and it would be her fourth win, but I think... I'm actually surprised it's only eight. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Lie. That's kind of ridiculous. She should have been nominated for pretty I, much I think, everything she ever did with Scorsese. I think, I think if she won, she'd be like the single most honored editor in Academy oh. history. Well, that would be, that'd be um, worthwhile and, yeah. and with good cause. Mm, and she should be. Yeah. Uh, she, she's one of the best editors there is. So you think she will I, win? I, in- got, I got to uh, interview her once, oh, and, so and the... Um, the one question I've always wanted to ask Helma Schoonmaker, I got to ask, and it's, um, I, I, as, I like reached out, I said, I want you to invite you at the moment to be a little bit immodest and say, 
how much of how much of Scorsese's work is a Thelma Schoonmaker film? Like how much <laughs> how much do you do you feel like you can take credit for here? And and she you know was of course very modest and she's, yeah. she's been working with Martin Scorsese. She's not going to say oh I'm it's I'm a making collaboration. these. Yeah, of course it is. And yeah, she does see it as a collaboration. And indeed it is. I think his films wouldn't be good without her. But I think her editing uh, is very much influenced by his great filmmaking. So. Uh, I, I I don't want them to split up. I think they're they're a great team and um, yeah. But I think yeah, I, I don't think the Irishman uh, is the best her, is her best editing job. But I think it's one of those things that the Academy is just going to fall back on. She's the celebrity, especially when you're comparing it to stuff like Jojo Rabbit uh, or, mm-hmm. or Joker, which you know the editing isn't the best it, part of it's Joker. Certainly, uh, it's certainly like you know, well I think, edited. I just I think don't know par- if I give it. An I think award. Parasite has some really good editing. I think there's some good like tense moments there in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think the one that should win is Ford versus Ferrari, just because I think car races are difficult to edit. Yeah, and uh, the editing actually informs the pace of the car racing because mm-hmm. it's fast and slow alternately throughout. That's true. There's a really wonderful scene near the end where um, the Matt Damon character uh, picks up a lug nut off of the ground and sort of sneaks it over into a competitor's uh, bullpen where they're fixing up the cars. Mm-hmm. And when they find it, they freak out thinking, oh no, we forgot to put in this lug nut. <laughs> and it's this short little uh, completely differently paced scene in the middle of a car race that is only constructed through editing. And I, I think agree. Getting a really high octane car race, but also these little moments of humanity, does take a kind of mastery that um, I think is not really being looked at. I would actually be really happy if it won. I do think Parasite will win. I do think it should win. When you look at the way mm-hmm. that movie is constructed and how careful uh-huh. uh, Bong Joon Ho and this and the editor whose name actually I don't know um, sort of use shot construction and. Uh, the specific angles that they switch, uh-huh. in, even just in conversations, and you see how that film, which is all about power dynamics, like flits between power dynamics so elegantly that you'd never even notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to telling like yeah, really they, complicated like stories, mm-hmm. like the, the whole there's this whole scene just where to, to give him credit, the editor is named, uh, named Young Jin Mo. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, just look at the, the scene where. Uh, unexpectedly, the rich family comes home. Mm-hmm. Masterful editing. <laughs> like, holy shit, great editing. Mm-hmm. Keeps everything in play. Keeps all the information clear. The suspense is insanity. Leads to a brilliant punchline. Mm-hmm. Brilliant work. All right, next up, mm-hmm. uh, we've got Best Documentary Short Subject. Again, we just talked about these at length. The nominees are In the Absence, which is about a ferry boat disaster in South Korea that ended up toppling the government. Uh, Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if You're a Girl, which is about a secret school for girls in the uh, incredibly sexist uh, uh, world of Afghanistan. Uh, Life Overtakes Me, which is about uh, refugees who are suffering from a newly discovered uh, psychological ailment. Uh, St. Louis Superman, which is about uh, local politics in Missouri, a guy who started his career as a battle rapper, ended up becoming a truly excellent local Mm. civil servant and politician. And Walk Run Cha Cha, which is about two former Vietnamese immigrants who uh, are now exploring their twilight years by taking dancing classes. I think In the Absence is the one that's going to win this again because it hmm. feels like a feature documentary okay. that got kind of truncated. You look at the way that that movie is constructed. It's very unique. It's very exciting. It's very It, it manipulates you in all the right ways, yeah. I think. So I think that one's going to win. And 
I'm not 100% sure if it should. It's between that and St. Louis Superman. Okay. I think St. Louis Superman will win. Mm. It's just, uh, it, it's the most celebratory of America and American yeah. politics and the system at work. Yeah, and, the way uh, it's supposed to yeah, work. Yeah, the, way, it. the way it's supposed to work. And also, he's a very interesting guy. And uh, so I think they're going to give it to St. Louis Superman. A uh, learning skateboard in a, in a war zone if you're a girl is a close second in terms of what will win. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, because that's also very inspiring and it's also very sweet. Um, it's even though it has a little bit of a dire subject, it's a really upbeat film. Yeah, I we we only reviewed these recently, and I, I think I said I wanted St. Louis Superman to win, but I think I'm coming around on In the Absence just in terms of its uh, filmmaking. Yeah, the way it mixes together uh, imagery and it's sort of like a collage, really. It's just a mixture of uh, news footage, more or less, not shot for originally for the film, mm. and. Uh, like phone calls and audio about the footage we're seeing and how the two things don't link up. Yeah. Um, there was a film that was nominated last year that was just a, a recently unearthed documentary footage of a Nazi rally at Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think it had a really nondescript title, like The Nazi Rally at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> uh, you know, interesting that that was uncovered, really re- revealing about American politics at the time. Uh, but a lot of people said, but that's just footage. You know, you're not making a movie. Well, the footage was edited. They did make a movie out of it. And I feel that, that people will sort of poo-poo in the absence for that reason. They're just sort of, it's just an editing job. Why isn't this up for best editing? All right, because it's for features. But, uh, yeah, I really, really was impressed with the way they sort of turns uh, turned it into this sort of found footage artifact about a history. And, uh, and I liked that. But I still think St. Louis Superman is kind of the one to beat here. Fair enough. Mm. Best documentary feature. Mm. The nominees are American Factory, uh, which is a story of an American factory which is purchased by a mm. Chinese corporation yeah. and how uh, the culture clash, which mm. starts off as maybe a positive thing, we're all going to learn a little something, yeah. ends up just falling prey to mm. old-fashioned, yeah. you know, Pure, uh, tyrannical capitalism. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what we got here. the cave, uh, which is about uh, an underground hospital uh, mm. in Syria, and specifically one uh, woman who is a doctor there who has to overcome mm. not only bombs and chlorine gas, but also sexism of people who are saying, yeah. "Yeah, she's saving lives, but she's a woman; she shouldn't be mm. a doctor." Uh, the Edge of Democracy, which is about the fall of democracy in Brazil, very, very mm. topical. Uh, For Sama. Uh, which is a story of a woman who's a journalist and her husband who was a, uh, or still is, um, a doctor Mm -hmm. uh, in Syria as they try to explain to their infant daughter for the sake of posterity what the hell happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And then lastly, Honeyland, which we already talked about. Uh, It's I think it's the first film ever nominated for Best Documentary and Best International Film, Mm -hmm. uh, which is quite the achievement. Um, What do you think? Uh, I want Honeyland to win. I know it's so the, good, right? It, it's it's so good. It's so sweet. It's so emotional. Uh, I wish I could remember her name. the the main The main character, essentially, yeah. the the woman, the the beekeeper, uh, and just her life and the the beauty of that life and the mm-hmm. simplicity of it. And she's it's actually hauntingly it's, photographed. Like a, it's, yeah. that it's a documentary and not like this beautifully staged mm. fictional film where every shot is perfect. That they just yeah. captured these perfect shots. And, and, really I'm, and I'm not trying to to sell it as some sort of like beatific moving back to land because she's actually really struggling and yeah. she has an ill mother and you know mm-hmm. sort of the little releases she has is like getting able to you know get some hair dye so she can look a little bit better and feel better yeah. about herself. Yeah. Like the, the, these little triumphs are actually really really moving, and the shot of. I'll just say the chainsaw scene mm. just broke oh, broke my bloody no. heart. Um, 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like no, 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 no. Yeah, so just great. screaming. It's, at the it's not as horrible as it's yeah. not like it's not like a saw movie. It's just it's unfortunate. Yeah, a, a person is not being uh, chainsawed. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. it's lunchtime for cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glad, thank you for joining the cat feet cat food hour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Honeyland. What you want to win? That, but you that's think what it will? I want to win. I think American Factory will win. I think so uh, just because it has the highest profile, it was a big Netflix deal. It was produced by Barack Obama's production company. Yeah. Uh, it's about something very immediately relevant. It's political without being immediately political, and which it, and I know is, the, Acad- the Academy really likes. And it is, to be fair. And thank you, Sergio. Oh my goodness, Sergio! You think he'd never eaten food before? He's like, <laughs> ooh, for the first time. I'm starving. I'm starving. Uh. I would. I think. I think American Factory is a really excellent documentary. I do. Yeah. And if it does win, that's fine. No harm to fail. But this is actually a really great crop mm. uh, this year. Honeyland is wonderful. Uh, my personal favorite is actually the cave. Okay. Um, I find the cave like intensely inspirational and also really suspenseful. Like it really mm. is. Man, they are just trapped there. When the chlorine gas hits in that movie, you're like, oh my fucking god is that, i'm about to watch everyone die like yeah. it's really intensely yeah, crafted yeah. the protagonist is an incredibly inspirational figure mm-hmm. um that's what i would vote for but i think mm-hmm. america i think i think for sama and the cave cover two similar category like two territory mm-hmm. and might end up like just canceling each other out like some people vote for one some people vote for the other mm-hmm. honeyland might also split its vote with the best international feature mm-hmm. Um, and I think American Factory is something everyone can get behind. Yeah. So I think it's going to be American Factory, but it's really hard to predict this category because, yeah, it's the, the, these these films do not have like the kind of buzz that yeah. like, your, your like, 1917 has. Yeah, like oh man, 1917's got all the buzz, and no one's ever like, yeah, what's the buzz on Honeyland? What? <laughs> Nobody knows. Uh, costume design. Costume design. The. Uh the nominees are The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's really um, interesting that for once in this category, almost all of the nominees are relatively contemporary. Well, like within well, the last like 50 years. Like we're talking about jeans and t-shirts. More, for yeah, a lot more of these, or less. You know? uh, like, once Upon a Time in Hollywood takes place in uh, the 1960s, and it's just, yes, really stylish 60s clothes. Uh, Little Women is a period piece uh, mm-hmm. that takes place, you know, Civil War era, so um, post Civil War era, and they really do a very good distinctive yeah. job with all of those costumes well, in Little Women. It's a really impeccably costume. I, I, I think Little Women ought to win uh, I agree. because I think it does a really wonderful job of conveying a lot of each of the characters' personalities via what they're wearing, and, and indeed, um, the Emma Stone character. Uh, has an entire subplot about her dress, mm-hmm. and the dresses are actually very important to the plot in that movie. And Emma I think Watson, they, by the way. What did I say? Emma Stone. Oh, oops, Emma Watson. I totally oh, get it. Me. They're like the same age. They have I apologize. similar roles. Yeah. Emma Watson. I, yeah. I had Emma Watson's head. Oh, we've, Stone, but, we've um, all done it. Yeah. Um, the Emma Watson character has a, a subplot about dresses, and I think uh, the costumes are great. And I lo- uh, it also is a good way of communicating how old the characters are, because it does take place out of chronological order, and I think the costumes are a good denotation of that. I'm not sure if anybody agrees with me on this, but I think that red suit and Joker is going to win an Oscar. Really, I, just I think, that yeah, suit? Huh? Well, for that suit, this yeah. is why it's being. This is why it's been nominated. I think. Um, I mean, the Joker is a famous comic book character. He's yep. famously worn, you know, big outlandish outfits. Mm-hmm. I think it, typically purple. Typically purple, yeah. With the exception of um, uh, the the Jared Leto rendition of the character, oh, he's yeah. typically typically worn like purple suits and uh, this kind of this contemporary kind of carnival-y clown outfit that has just sort of become part of uh, lore. I think. 
dressing Joaquin Phoenix in that suit that really kind of shows off his gauntness that is clownish, that is evocative of the old Joker traditional look, but is also its own thing. It's it's a red suit with a marigold uh, shirt and kind of this turquoise tie. I haven't seen that color scheme before. Yeah. Uh, and I think it communicates a hell of a lot about what this movie is and who that character is. Um, I, I think it's going to win. I think yeah. Joker is going to win Best Costumes. Uh, yes, I think it's going to win over stuff like The Irishman. Oh, I don't think The Irishman's going to win. I don't think mm. The Irishman has the support to win most categories, quite frankly. Mm. I think... Um, I see your point about Joker, mm. and I would not be surprised if it won. I also agree Little Women, I think, should win, mm. not just because it's the oldest, but because I think it does the most jobs with the most characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to go for uh, who will win mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that's another just one. Just for those really stylish 60s. Well, it's not just thing. that they're stylish. I think they do a good job. Well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does a really good job. First off, there's costume designs from various movies within movies mm. that I think they're going to get a lot of credit for. Um there are different like sort of levels of style between Brad Pitt's character, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, everyone at the Manson family ranch. Like, I think it is a vaster tapestry of costumes than I think it's even necessarily easy to give credit for at sure. a glance. Um, however, I, I I do agree. I think Joker is excellent costumes. I just think it's fewer costumes, mm. and I think that I think it's going to matter. Yeah. But we'll find out. Uh, next up, best animated feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nominees are How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Not the best film in that series. Um, <laughs> it's fine. How to Train Your Dragon 2 is way better, but yeah. Uh, I Lost My Body, uh, a noble sort of experimental animated film. I don't actually think it comes together as well as everyone else says it does, but it's it, certainly an interesting film. Well, the, the first half of the movie, much of it is told from the perspective of a severed hand. Yeah. And, uh, and that's fascinating. Yeah, and it's really, that's when, the cool stuff. When it finally explains like what's going on, it's actually less interesting. <laughs> no, it's actually kind of a boring 90s indie that mm. just... Has a severed hand in it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it. I don't I'm think glad it comes it's to, recognized. Oh, it's interesting, yeah. and it's it's certainly one of the more interesting films that we nominated mm-hmm. in this category. Like, I don't think it's a bad film. I just don't think it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it comes together as well as it should. Uh, let's see, Klaus, uh, which you and I love. Klaus, yeah. I'm actually surprised it got nominated. It was not getting the buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klaus is an animated film, obviously about uh, the origin of Santa Claus, but it's no origin you've ever heard of. It's, it's and a, it's really a, a, clever. A new story with these, yeah, kind of. Really caustic characters, but it ends up being really warm. I'm, 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 I think the animation is its reward. I would love it if it won, but I don't mm. think it will. It's certainly what I would have voted for. Uh, Missing Link, the latest film from Laika, which is about an explorer who agrees to help uh, Bigfoot travel to the Himalayas and connect with what he thinks are his Yeti cousins. Mm. Um, and then Toy Story 4, which is, of course, Toy Story 4. No Frozen 2. No Frozen 2. Mm. Shocking, actually. A little shock. I mean, yeah. not too shocking. It's not that great a film, but but, uh, yeah. but Disney has like a free pass, more or less, in this yeah. category, and it's and just, they, they did, it was huge. It made like a billion dollars. They did distribute Toy Story Four. I love Toy Story Four. I think I, it's hilarious and weird in a way that the other ones aren't. There are um, things I love about it. I don't. I think they actually the level of animation evolved to be too realistic around the toys, mm-hmm. and now it has approached like this creepy, uncanny valley effect that I don't enjoy oh, anymore. Yeah? All right. uh, I also think that the themes of the movie. are aren't very well developed. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the whole thing with Forky could easily be argued as Woody telling like a child to change because the family will love it more, and I don't think that's 
Mm. That's good messaging at all. Well, I, don't, I can't I, get behind that. I, I also think arguably, I think, it's, I think it's fine because Forky is a, a fork. <laughs> I know, I know, but it, they want uh, us to I'm take it seriously, the, don't they? Of course they do. They want no, us to no. cry at this movie. Also, I'm not mm. a huge fan of Woody's storyline, which, if you think about it, could amount to uh, if your child really isn't digging you as a parent, it's totally okay to leave. Well, I, I, I saw him more as a grandparent. You know, it's like gr- grandpa doesn't want to stick around you anymore, so he's just going to move in with his girlfriend. And Either I, way, kind I of was, a wonky message. I was happy for Woody right. <laughs> that he got what he wanted out of all of this. He I just think, got to be lost. I just think okay. with Toy Story 4 they lost the metaphor and got too wrapped up in like the mythology mm. of like these toys and the That's specific fair. stories of it and I just don't think it really works the way it used to. Okay. Um, so I, for I, me it's not, it's for me it's the it's the least of the Toy Story franchise. Oh, I, I, I love it so much. Um, um, uh, that said I don't think it's going to win uh, and I don't think it should win. I think Klaus should win. Klaus is much more innovative. Yep, it's, hand, it's hand-drawn animation that was uh, supplemented with uh, sort of like 3D coloring. Yeah, so it looks it ga- kind of 3D animated, but it's not. Yeah, it's really it, it gave it this really unique look, uh, which is should be awarded. And yeah, it's this sort of really interesting, uh, almost an instant Christmas classic. This is one that's going to come back. I really do um, think, give it, give it a couple, it's like Arthur Christmas. Yeah, like my, it's slowly building steam as a, I, as a Christmas I think, classic. No, I think this already is further ahead than even Arthur Christmas is now. Um, mm. I, I think, yeah, which this is, is I love Arthur people Christmas, are going to come too, back too. So that's saying something. Um, and I think that one should win. The one that's been getting the most buzz is Missing Link. And... Uh, I, I don't think it's like his best film. I agree. Uh, I think it's better than Kubo and the Two Strings, but it's nowhere near Paranorman and Coraline uh, I agree. And, and the Box Trolls. Um, and I think the the one mistake was, quite frankly, the casting of Zach Galifianakis as the Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I think they needed to sort of change that character a little bit. He's a little to too just just friendly. And I, I don't have any problem with the design or the story or yeah. even the characters, but I think they did a big character disservice to the Bigfoot mm. by turning him into this sort of like contemporary wimp. Uh, I Maybe. think they need to sort of make him a little bit more shy and stoic rather than kind of Maybe. nervous. Uh, but, um, but, but you think it will win this I story. think it will win because stop motion animation is, as we saw in the shorts category, is being celebrated again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are recognizing the hard work that Leica does to create these worlds. Yeah. And... And uh, yeah, and it's a perfectly decent animated film. I actually agree. I think again, I think Klaus should. I think Missing Link. W- I, I will not be surprised if Toy Story Four wins, and some might mm-hmm. argue that's still the safe bet. But I think this is the year Leica has its best shot. Mm. I agree it's made better films, but this is the year in which the competition wasn't as fierce. And when you look at Toy Story 4, it's a film that, yeah, kids are going to like it, but I think in many ways it connects to grown-ups more than children. I also it's think more that, about the grown-up experience. I think that number four is also working against it. Uh, the Maybe. Academy... Had- even though they nominated this this film with a big four at the end, like they gave it to Toy Story three, they only yeah. gave it to Toy Story four as well. Like, no. is it really necessary? Yeah, that might that might help as well. Mm-hmm. But I think Missing Link. I think if you if and I know a lot of people in the Academy have talked to people in the Academy who kind of let their kids decide what to vote for in this category, which is a shame. <laughs> if there's any movie that isn't for kids, uh-huh. like, like I lost, I lost my, my body, body yeah. like you're you're just throwing that one out the window. Um, but I think if kids sit down and they watch Missing Link and Toy Story 4, they're probably going to have more fun with Missing Link. Yeah, I guess so. And I think Missing well, Link maybe, I think it's, is going to connect lot, with kids a little bit it, more. It's, you it's know? a lot more quaint. It's, uh, yeah. be, the word I use to describe uh, Leica films most frequently is peculiar. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that about Leica. And mm. yeah, if they give it to Missing Link, great. Yeah. All right. Uh, now we're getting mm. into the acting categories. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. As far as anyone's concerned, the acting categories are considered kind of a runaway. Like there's a there's yeah. a really big odds on favorite in each category. Mm. And I'm not going to sh- rock the boat on that because mm. I think it's safe bets all around. But let's talk about best actress in a supporting role the nominees are Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell which you haven't seen mm-hmm. she's very good in it 
Uh, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, although personally I think this is also for Little Women. She had a hell of a year. <laughs> uh, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. She's nominated twice mm. this year. She'd never been nominated before. Good for her. I think Jojo Rabbit is her best work. Uh, Florence Pugh for Little Women, another actor who had a hell of a year <laughs> and should have been nominated for, I think, Best Actress as well, but we'll just take this one. And finally, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, who is really, really good mm. in the movie, but I think this is the one nominee. Yeah, like, there were other people we could have nominated. Uh, traditionally, and there's plenty of exceptions to what I'm about to say, but supporting actress goes to either... The eccentric old lady, or the young ingenue. Yeah, that's that could be true of actress as well. I agree. Uh, so it's, it's weirdly binary, and frankly, it kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's that line from the first Wives Club? Like you, oh. only, you only have three ages in Hollywood. It's um, babe, mom, or driving Miss Daisy, or something, something <laughs> along those lines. I, th- oh, I think I think the last one was District mm-hmm. Attorney. No, it was definitely driving Miss Daisy. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're either a, or no, it's, it's like I think it's Babe Attorney or District or driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, uh, there's only three ages in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, sadly, that's true. It's yeah. it's it's a disgusting thing, but that's that's what holds out, especially with these awards giving bodies. Um, so, in a just universe, the new ingenue this year would be Florence Pugh. Yeah. She should win. I agree. Uh, not just for Little Women. I think for Mid- this is also for Midsommar. And I didn't see Fighting with My Family, but I, I assure you, excellent in I that assure one. you, she also was great in uh, that too. I think she completely redefines the role of Amy in Little Women mm. in, in every conceivable okay. way. I think she really yeah. does brilliant things with that role, and I, um, I would totally vote for her. Uh, Laura Dern was better in Little Women. I don't know why she's nominated for a Marriage Story. Oh yes, I know because it's kind of a, the showier role. She gets to have yeah. like sort of the big speeches. Lots of big speeches. Just give her an Oscar retrospectively for Inland Empire, and we'll be good. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't seen Kathy Bates. Can't speak to that. I think um, this will be a chance for the Academy to finally honor the ingenue they never got around to because she's in her thirties now. But it's Scarlett Johansson. So you think Scarlett Johansson think, will win? I think she will win. I also, th- I also think Jojo Rabbit is one of her better performances. Just at, looking over her whole, her whole career, I think it's I think it's um, arguably her best. I think it's between this yeah. and Match Point. Like I think those yeah, are maybe the two so. that uh, are just her, her at her absolute zenith. You look over Scarlett Johansson's filmography, and she typically plays kind of inscrutable, almost non-human characters most of the time. Sometimes very literally. In one, she's a robot, uh, yeah. and she's a superhero in another one. I know she's a human character, but she's a super... Yeah, no, super she, she, she has lots of the life experiences. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or she's in stuff like Under the Skin, where she plays this weird kind of... Alien-wearing alien alien Scarlett creature. Johansson Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love that movie, by the way. Of course you do. Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great. I love that movie. I know. Just, I know you very well. Yeah. Of course you love that movie. Uh, Jojo Rabbit is the most human I've ever seen her. Yeah. Uh, even when she's playing something like in Marriage Story where she's a real person, that feels a little bit, I think by design, stagey. Yeah, I agree. This one, she is warm. Mm-hmm. She's funny. She's motherly. She's compassionate. I've never seen her do that before, and it turns out she can pull those things out. And, and she actually does have some ranges. And she's playing as an a actress. lot of different layers here that I think mm-hmm. aren't even clear at a glance because mm-hmm. she has to, in order to protect her son, mm-hmm pretend to believe things that she doesn't. Yeah. And even because her son is so young, she can't trust him to to keep the secret that they're not Nazis. Mm. She has to teach him decency and morality without contradicting the propaganda he's absorbing. Yeah. yeah. And that's such, and you can see how that eats at her too. Mm. And there's this really great scene with her and Thomas and Mackenzie, where she finally gets to talk openly about how she actually feels about that. She's really great in that movie. I, mm. I think that's easily her best performance ever. Um, I would be reasonably happy if she won. 
Right. Honestly, uh, I, I would. Um, I do think that the safe money is on Laura Dern, and I think she will win. I All think right. this is All a right. career reward as well. Mm. She has been on fire lately. In particular, like the last like five, ten years. Lately, just not all the time. Well, like you look at like, you know, she was in a lot of good movies, but like the last five, ten years, every role she's had has mm. been like Oscar worthy. Like really okay. good. She was, I think she was nominated for, for uh, The Wild, uh-huh. uh, or just Wild, which is great performance from her. Um, she, she's on a bunch of really acclaimed television shows. She could easily have been nominated, you just mentioned uh, this year for Little Women, mm. exact same category. Um, so I think that helps. Uh, I think it's a very showy role. I think it's a fun role, um, and um, yeah, I think she. I think she will win. She, but again, I would vote for Florence Pugh, right. and a part of me really hopes she'll win because she's so damn good. <laughs> no, she, I don't think. She's I don't think she will, but yeah. it kind of me hard me helps. Best actress in a leading role. Who are the mm. nominees? Uh, actress in a leading role. Uh, we have uh, Cynthia Erivo from Harriet. We have Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story. Uh, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Shirley Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Put your money on Judy. Um, Renee Zellweger has been getting all the acclaim. She recreated a Hollywood legend. This is exactly the type of role that gets Oscars. Yeah. Almost in a cliched sort of way. It's boring to think that she'll get one. <laughs> uh, Renee Zellweger has an actor, uh, best supporting actress Academy Award already. For but Court not for Mountain. a good movie or even that great a performance. So oh. pardon me, would rather just. Can we yeah. just switch the name on that to Judy and then give someone else yeah. best actress this year? Would be great because uh, I, I actually really like her in Judy. I think she does a really great job think, in Judy. I think this is, uh, quite frankly, it's her best performance. But that said, uh, well, that and I think Bridget Jones, uh, yeah, is also, great also a really great performance. I would have um, also loved it if she'd won Best Supporting Actor for Jerry Maguire. Mm. She's really good in Jerry Maguire. I'm sorry, that's a, uh, that's an underrated role. Well, I was I was gonna say I don't like her in much of anything. Okay. I, I think, uh, I, and I I thought she was really well cast in uh, Nurse Betty. Oh because yeah, that was just such a, a weird dark film. And like her kind of uh, bubbliness countered that, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, Renee Zellweger is just never sort of I don't know rubbed me the right way of however you want to put that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I feel like she really does capture something in Judy that I haven't seen from her before. It is her best performance. Uh, I think Charlize Theron should win this for, really? for playing Megan Kelly. Um, I can see I that. I think Cynthia Erivo should wear win this for Harriet. I think any of the other actresses would be fine. Um, mm. I was really impressed with Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story when I first saw it, but then I went back and sort of watched some of her scenes and realized how artificial a lot of the performances are in that it does movie. It feel kind of fantastagey in that, mm. and, not in the, and not in the way that, like, oh, they filmed the play, but, like, in just in terms of, like... Um, not in that immediate theatrical way. It's like... kind of going through some motions you, here. It, you're letting it, the it's script clear, It's do clear the that you're, you. yeah, you're kind of reciting rather than playing the scene. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Mm. Um, so, uh, in this category, I think there's a lot of great nominees. I agree Charlize Theron is very good in Bombshell, mm. although I think part of the issue with her performance that the movie doesn't really know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not her fault. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, I discounted for Marriage Story just because she's so much better in Jojo Rabbit. I can't oh, give okay. it to her for Marriage Story. <laughs> uh, Cynthia Erivo, she's really good in that movie. She's even better in other films that she was in, like Bad uh, uh, Bad Times at the, at the El Royale. <laughs> okay. Um, what was the other one? Widows. She's great <laughs> yeah, in both Widows. those movies. She's great in Widows. She's so good. Um, so I'm glad she got nominated, but this is not... She's not going to win it. Mm. Um for me, yeah, I think Renee Zellweger is the safe bet. All right. If you're voting for, I want to get points mm. on a spreadsheet or something, it, again, it's not a movie people are talking about, but once you actually sit down with that movie, you say to yourself, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, you can give her, yeah, I can see she she put in the work. Mm. She put in the goddamn work. <laughs> she did way more work than Rami Malek did. Like, give her the Oscar. Mm. Um, but I think I would vote for Saoirse Ronan. 
Oh, okay. I think Saoirse Ronan uh, is rapidly becoming the new Kate Winslet, where she is reliably <laughs> but brilliant in everything. Mm. But for whatever reason, every time she's nominated, there's always like one person who has a showier role. Yeah. And I think she really does bring a lot of new mm. nuance to a very familiar character mm. in Little Women. Uh, but a, a, mostly a really good category. And I actually mm. don't even entirely disagree with Charlize Theron. Um, All right. Best Actor in Supporting Role. The nominees are Tom Hanks, uh, playing Mr. Rogers in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, Anthony Hopkins as one of the two popes. Both popes are nominated. Uh, that's true. Uh, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Brad Pitt is running away with this at every advance awards yeah, thing. He did. Uh, which is a pity because poor Joe Pesci. Oh uh, my god, he came out of retirement for this uh-huh. and gave maybe his best performance. <laughs> as, uh, and... We've seen Joe Pesci in Scorsese films before. We've seen him in Goodfellas and in Casino. And he, he won played, an Oscar for Goodfellas, and and he he's great in Goodfellas. He mm-hmm. plays. Uh, uh, I think he's even Tom, better in Casino. Tommy, Tommy, yeah, yeah, don't go after yourself, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, I think oh. he's even better in Casino. Casino is just a yeah, fucking yeah. Uh, firecracker of a movie. And he plays these very sort of hot-headed characters a lot. He's well known for playing these hot-headed characters. He's very good in My Cousin Vinny. He's even good in Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. If you ever saw that. <laughs> um, uh, what was the one where he, um, he was the homeless man? Um, oh, uh, uh, with honors. With honors. He's with really honors. good in with honors. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit schmaltzy, but it's a good movie. Yeah, uh, he's really good in his movie. Yeah, it's, it's great. Like, I, I know I'm just a bum. And he looks down at his sweatshirt. Granted, I'm a Harvard bum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what I think we don't understand about Joe Pesci is that his characters are really great because they have a little bit of soul. We're used to him playing like Tommy, these kind of like angry, hot headed guys like from Goodfellas. Yeah. Here he is in a Scorsese film playing a gangster, but he actually has a lot of authority and a lot of menace. Mm-hmm. And near the end of the film where he starts saying, it's what it is, you, you realize just how much humanity he's brought to his entire career. Mm-hmm. And those it's what it is car- scenes are played like sort of comedic. I think there's a lot that's really funny in The Irishman that a lot oh, of people yeah, the, aren't giving care. The road trip that's the framing device for mm-hmm. a lot of the film. Mm-hmm. It's just two old guys and their wives on a road trip, and how like about little details, and how like Joe Pesci refuses, like one of the like Joe Pesci refuses to let anyone smoke in the car, Mm. so they have to take like breaks every forty five minutes, and the trip is taking (laughs) forever. (laughs) He's great in that. He's really, really wonderful. No, I I would vote for Joe Pesci. I would vote for Joe Pesci over and over and over again. It's actually a really strong category. Everyone does excellent work in this category. Uh, But I actually think the least of the performances, and I know you can't speak to this, is Mm. actually Brad Pitt. Not because it's a bad performance, but because I think he plays it a little too slick. And the more you learn about the character, Mm. the more that starts making him seem less like a cool guy Mm. and more like a guy who maybe is more amoral than the movie is willing to admit. Yeah. Uh, So for me, I actually think he miscalculated that role a little bit. I totally get the allure. But mm. I think if he wins, he's going to win for being cool and not necessarily for giving the best performance out of the five. However, he is the favorite to win. I'm picking him to win. Mm. But I think Joe Pesci particularly deserves this. Yeah. I do want to say, though, because it's been overlooked, Tom Hanks is excellent as Mr. Rogers. You think so? I do. He's not playing Mr. Rogers as we know him. Mm. I acknowledge that. I know he's not like doing a perfect... Uh, uh, doesn't, uh, he doesn't some, look or behave like Fred Rogers, some, really. Someone, then, someone made a point. I can't remember who it was, but someone made a point that the Mr. Rogers, the original actual Mr. Rogers, was like a house cat, mm. and Tom Hanks plays him like a dog, okay. and that's like just just a little bit more aggression, you know, a little bit more forthright. And I get that, mm. but what I love about what Tom Hanks does is that Be Able Day in the Neighborhood is about how Mr. Rogers is a good, 
decent human being, but it's also about how he doesn't pretend that's not work. Mm. And you see in Tom Hanks's performance, like him thinking and how like things actually do affect him and him like regulating himself and trying to be a better person than he is. There's a scene where the reporter interviewing him, mm. at, he's trying to get a rise out of him, and he says yeah. it must have been really difficult for your sons to grow up. That's the kids of Mr. Rogers. Mm. There's a long pause <laughs> where you know that Mr. Rogers is thinking, "Is today the day I finally choke someone out? <laughs> yeah, right. Like I just, I just snap and break this guy's neck because, like, that's really personal." And they're and he talks about it. He and says, you know, "Fred, right? Fred Rogers uh, could kill people with his thighs. That's it's not really well known. No, that's, that's what Famke Jansen's character in Goldeneye was based on. <laughs> it was based on Fred Rogers. <laughs> uh, but no, he talked about he, and he mentions like, listen, it was difficult for them, and he has mm. that conversation. But you see that it's difficult for him to talk about mm. it, and it's not always easy for him. And I think it's an underappreciated performance, mm. even though I don't think it should win or will. Mm. Just want to give a shout out. I think did a really good right. job. I came to that movie really late. Uh, another uh, interview story. Um, I got to ask that very same question of Cecilia Peck, oh. uh, who is the daughter of Gregory Peck, who played Atticus Finch, there you the go. best dad in fiction. It's like, what was it like, you know, growing up with essentially what people perceived as the greatest dad ever? It's like, well, she, you know, he's my dad, so of course I think he's the greatest. He was actually a, a, good, a good dad. dad. Yeah. You hear stories about he's, he's some no Hollywood fish, bad yeah. dads, but like apparently Gregor Beck yeah, was rather good. I, I, I hear uh, Bing Crosby is not the kindest dad in the world. Uh, yes, <laughs> like, yeah. going my way. Oh, what a gentle man. Oh wait, don't Ew. don't look, don't don't read the biographies. Yeah. yeah, um, I think he's fine. I think okay. he gives this. I remember Bruce Campbell was telling stories about how he got to play an elderly Elvis on, on a movie called Bubba Hotap, which is a really terrific cult movie by Don Coscarelli. And um, really, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for that movie. He's yeah. amazing in that and movie. And he, he tells a story of how they actually hired a, a legit Elvis impersonator to give him notes, to be his mm. acting coach, because he's like, oh, well, I don't know how to do Elvis. I just know how to do sort of specific mannerisms. And evidently he was so bad at picking up on the mannerisms that uh, the Elvis impersonator walked off set, quit wow. on Bruce Campbell, and Bruce Campbell ended up doing just sort of this really broad version of Elvis. I think he did a wonderful job because a broad version of Elvis works for that movie. <laughs> I feel like something similar might have happened on the set of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Somebody came in and told him, here's how Fred Rogers would have behaved here, a little bit more about his mannerisms. But he ended up going with something that was a little more Tom Hanks than it was Fred Rogers, yeah. which is a fine way to you know make the performance your own. He's probably a lot more comfortable with that and probably gave a much more authentic performance as a result. But it also feels like a, a not correct version of Mr. Rogers. Well, we again, all know Mr. Rogers. I, again, I talked about this when I talked about mm. Judy, where I don't feel like I'm watching Judy Garland. I feel like I'm watching someone play Judy Garland. Oh, right. I think that's okay. Mm. There's only so much you can do, yeah. I think. And unless someone looks uncannily like somebody, mm. there's only so much you can do. All right. Anyway, we got to move on. Uh, best actor in a leading role? Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Mm -hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. And Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Uh, smart money's on Joaquin Phoenix. And I'm going to uh, take that smart money. He's uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to win this thing. I think, he, uh, I think he will definitely win. Second actor to win an Academy Award for playing The Joker. Uh, I actually wanted to... I tried to look up, have, has this ever happened before in Academy history? Have two different actors been nominated or have won Oscars for playing the same role and it's only happened once before and it was uh, Don Corleone yeah uh, De Niro and Brando both won an Oscar for playing the same character there are other people who've been nominated like various people who played Queen Elizabeth yeah uh, yeah. Or, uh, or actually I don't know if it would that, that one actually might be the case, but um, uh, the, the, uh, Kate, Kate Blanchett and Judy Dench have both played Queen Elizabeth, and there they you both go. got nominated. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Dench won. Kate Blanchett was nominated. Mm. Uh, also, so, uh, Henry VIII is another character. Peter, o uh, Peter O'Toole was nominated for playing the same king in two different movies. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Um, so it's it's happened, but it's really un- it's really uncommon. Yeah. Um, uh, Especially for, yeah. for different, wildly different movies. Stallone like a has been nominated twice for playing the same character because he played Rocky. Yeah. Um, Kate Blanchett yeah. was nominated twice for playing Elizabeth. For playing Elizabeth, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, this would be, the I think, only the second time in Academy history where two different actors got Acad- won Academy Awards for playing the same character. Yeah, and it's not, it's um, not even really a remake or anything. It's a really, it's a bizarre situation. Yeah, yeah. And they both, um, and to be fair, mm-hmm. again, I'm not the hugest fan of the movie, Joaquin Phoenix made that shit his own. He, d- he, he did not didn't... do what he did not do what any other Joker did. He made his own. Yeah, movie. he made the, he made the sad clown I f- version. I feel like though that this is a little bit more of an audience safe version of performances I've already seen him give in better movies. Absolutely, one hundred percent. If you want to thank you. watch the Joker and then watch the Master, and you'll essentially see his Joker shtick just sort of writ larger and a lot. Well, I think that one's more aggro. I think if you combine his performances in The Master and You Were Never Really Here, you get this. Yeah. But yeah. I do think this is one of those instances in which there's someone who is clearly one of the most talented actors, mm-hmm. and yet for whatever reason, their truly triumphant roles came out in the wrong year. Mm-hmm. You know, people just overlooked them. There are other like people the, made the, the, the Russell Crowe, uh, Denzel yeah. Washington crossover that happened. Yeah. Where, um, I never saw The Hurricane. Um, there, there was this sort of like training day was a makeup for Hurricane and um, Gladiator was a makeup for The Insider. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. where they, they kind of like crossed years and they were around the same time. Um, yeah, and it's it's weird. Or 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 just a simpler mm. example is Kate Winslet. I uh, just talked about people who've been nominated a ton of times, mm. nominated a ton of times for brilliant performances over and over and over again. And what did she end up winning for? Mm. The Reader. Not her best performance <laughs> by a long shot. Yeah, not even that interesting a film, frankly. No, mm-hmm. but it was the year where the competition wasn't great, and it was one of the better options that year. Mm-hmm. So it was just the time to give him an Oscar. It's like when Jimmy Stewart won for The Philadelphia Story. He's great in The Philadelphia Story. Mm-hmm. He won for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh, right. When, when uh, um, Jeremy Irons won the Academy Award for Reversal of Fortune. I think an all-time iconic performance. Who was one of the first people he thanked on the podium? David Cronenberg, because he should have won for Dead Ringers the year before. Because <laughs> Dead Ringers is what got him all the attention. Yeah, yeah. So I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to win this, and I don't even begrudge it. It's not my favorite nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be voting for Antonio Banderas if I could. Uh, me too. Yeah. And I actually, I think, I, I even think he'd be my third choice after DiCaprio, who I think actually gives a very multi layered performance at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as performances upon performances, good acting, bad acting, his fake characters, mm-hmm. another character is playing. I think he does a really good job. He's like my third choice. All right. Uh, but I can't, uh, can't talk about I know it. You yeah. can. I know you can. I, just to, to his credit, you know, I know people think I'm really down to that movie. I think individual elements are really strong. Uh, but um, yeah, I think Bandonis, Banderas gives the best performance out of all of these. But. Yeah, Walking Fanks is just going to win this one. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah. Okay, and now yeah. we're down to director and picture. Yeah. Do you think they're going to go hand in hand this year? Um, let's see. What did I choose? Uh, no. Okay, me either. Oh, you know what? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, I so, think I know what so you mean. I, I, I'm going to go, I'm just going to re- reveal them both at once. Okay. Uh, direct, the, the nominees. The nominees us. for directing are Scorsese for Irishman, uh, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin for uh, Once Upon, sorry, Quentin Tarantino. You're Once allowed, you know. Hollywood. Uh, we're not like good buddies, just that's, yeah. that's cutie. Yeah. Cutie for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Um, and the nominees for Best Picture are oh. Ford v. Ferrari, mm. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Yeah. So um, who should win Best Director and who will? Celine Shiyama should win Best Director. <laughs> well, yes. Greta Gerwig should win Best Director. Yes. A woman should win Best Director. Because, and not just because yeah. it's... Like, seriously... Uh, Women directed better movies than these this year. Yeah. Except yeah. maybe Parasite. Like, Parasite oh. is right up there. But even then, I would have put at least two movies ahead of it mm. that were directed by women. Stupid yeah. fucking Oscars. Uh, yeah, but where, where's Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Where is it? Yeah. Where's Greta Gerwig, for fuck's sake? You gave her you gave her a nomination for Lady Bird, mm. but all of a sudden... Mm. What? She didn't direct this one? What I the know, fuck? You know what? We skipped one. We skipped cinematography. Oh, did we? Yeah, really? we didn't talk about that. My bad. Okay. Very, very, very quickly. Irishman, Joker, Lighthouse, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 1917, without a question, is going to win. Yeah. The Lighthouse should win because it's the most beautiful film of the year. I went, Period. I totally agree. <laughs> I, I will not begrudge 1917. Deacons shot the fuck out of that mm. movie. That movie is gorgeous, and mm. I will not begrudge it at all, but the lighting in The Lighthouse... Mm. Is astounding. The, just the, the shimmering the black and white framing. It's the one three seven. It's the best looking film of the yeah. year. It suits the material. It's very yeah. unique to the material. But I totally get why nineteen seventeen is going to win. And honestly, I'm fine with it. Why, why do we hate Willem Dafoe? Like Willem Dafoe know. just persistently gives great performances. Should have been nominated for best supporting actor. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so uh, would vote yeah, for but, Joe Pesci. But anyway, uh, directing and picture. Um, I think directing is going to go to Sam Mendes, and I think picture is going to go to nineteen seventeen. I think that's the smart money. So you think? So you think it will go to? the same director yes so, 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 yeah, Sam Mendes 1917 okay. I think Sam Mendes will win best director and I think 1917 will win best picture um, what would you th- vote for uh, what would I vote for uh, for directing I'd vote for Bong Joon-ho uh-huh. um, just because it's it's the most nuanced films of these nominees uh-huh. again uh, there's so many better directors that were nominated Todd Phillips is up for best director TF um, yeah I, I understand I Joker being up for best picture I actually don't understand Todd Phillips being up for best director yeah um, I don't I don't I think he just took notes from Scorsese and just did that yeah, yeah. I, I really don't see like the, the f- directing being the part of that that movie was a zeitgeist I totally get calling it one of the movies of the year mm. I don't think it was one of the best directed films even not no no, no no um and yeah, Best Picture, 1917 is this sort of old, it's an old world war picture. It's uh, one of those political messages that is really comfortable and non-controversial, that World War One was a big mess, and uh, we're going to celebrate the stories. It is very personal to the director because it's about his own grandfather. Uh, it's an old school, old timey war picture. One of the first films to ever win Best Picture was... All Quiet on the Western Front, which is also about World War One, so it reaches uh, into Academy wings history. as well. Uh, oh, there you go, Wings, very well, first, the very first film. Yeah. So this is this has got all the Oscar smear all over yeah. it, and it's definitely going to win this time around. Yeah, um, there's been a little bit of buzz for Parasite; it's not going to win. No. Uh, there's been a little bit of buzz for Joker; it's not going to win. Uh, there's been, there's been I, a little bit of buzz for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I also don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to win. Um, yeah. Uh, even though, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a film that does celebrate Hollywood, which is mm-hmm. something Hollywood likes. Uh, but I think 1917 is just sort of the runaway. Plus, it's been getting a lot of uh, positive buzz. And here recently, a lot of uh, critics that I really respect and admire, specifically Matt Zoller Seitz and Sasha Stone, have been talking it up because there has actually been a little bit of a backlash. Yeah. They, it was up for all these awards, and a lot of people said, why? It's 
A, a lot of people compared it unfavorably to video games because the camera lingers behind a central mm. character the way a lot of video games are played. I want to clarify and, something uh, right now because I think a lot of... I, I've seen some commentary saying it's unfavorably compared to video games. Mm. I compared it neutrally to video games. Okay, just because I think video game yeah. storytelling is its own sort of brand mm. of cinema at this point considering how much of it is basically just animation, especially the scenes we're talking about and comparing to mm. 1917. Um, I do not consider that negative. I consider yeah, that just, just an observation. Just descriptive. It's and like, I um, think we're I'm, at this point where we need to stop. It's like it's like uh, people who say treat comic book as uh, uh, an insult. Mm. It's a comic book movie. Well, oh, there, what there, a comic there, book there, I think there's positive and negative ways to use that. That's term. my point. Yeah. I think the the immediate knee jerk reaction that oh, it's they're comparing it to a video game. Oh, we have to nip this shit in the bud right now. How dare you mm. compare this movie that we like to an art form we don't understand? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, there's brilliant video games, and you're kind of mm. fucking that up. I think I think that's, that's uh, a disservice to an entire art form. Uh, it, it's it's its own industry. It's successful on its own. Um, I just think it's its own it, art it's, form. It should be respected as it's, such. It's, yeah, well, it's and get, I don't think it's it's negative video, to compare. Video games get video game awards. Well, we so compare that's fine. like we compare yeah. Marriage Story to mm. something stagey, for example. Mm. That's not inherently that's not inherently negative. It's just mm. kind of the way that yeah, it's framed. Yeah. That doesn't mean theater is bad. And I don't mm. think it means that video games are well, bad, or like comparing movies to video games I've, are bad. I've heard a lot of cinema described as being uh, being compared to theater unfavorably. Yeah, this no. is like theater. It feels a little bit too much like a play, and that's, some people say that is sort of a pejorative. Well, it can be if it feels like it's not making the most of the medium that it's in, but mm. I think of just saying that, like, like you want someone like Richard Linklater's tape, which is just two mm. guys in a room. I think, it even, I think it's even based on a play. Feels like a play, but it doesn't need to be anything but. Mm. Sometimes you watch a movie based on a play and you think to yourself, man, there's literally no reason for them not to leave this room. <laughs> like, there's literally none. Yeah. Like, you're just you're just keeping it. Like, the Pope, the two Popes, mm. that's based on a play. It doesn't feel like a play. They actually yeah. expand it out and so it feels... More cinematic. Well, it just yeah. feels organic. You know? It feels organically cinematic. Mm. So, anyway, I digress. Uh, my my picks, I think, I think it will split. Mm. Um, I think... The cinematography award for 1917 is going to be seen as the directing award. Okay. Uh, so I actually think it's going to go to Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. Oh, all right. Uh, it would not surprise me if it goes to Quentin Tarantino. He's never won Best Director. He's won a screenplay, but yeah. he's won a screenplay twice, and good for him mm. for very good screenplays. And his so, and his actors have won. But yeah, yeah, but he's never won Best Director. So I wouldn't be shocked if he wins. I think he's actually right up there in contention. But I think it's going to go to Bong Joon Ho, much like it went to Quaron mm. uh, uh, for Roma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Best Picture is going to go to 1917. All right. And I think he should be nom- I think he should be uh, win for Best Director mm-hmm. because I think you're right. I think even even the movies I like that are nominated here, like The Irishman and Jojo Rabbit, they're kind of straightforward in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Whereas Parasite's very multi layered. Uh, and I think 1917 again, there's a preferential ballot for Best Picture. 1917 is the movie I think everyone's going to be able to agree on. Yeah, everyone mm-hmm. appreciates the accomplishment of 1917. I find it. A little superficial compared to some of the better nominees, but it's a very good film. Uh, and of course, as you may have noticed, uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Little Women. I would have voted for Little Women. I do think it was the best film of the year. Mm. Um, so that is our Oscar ballot. That's it. That's our um, category. We hope that helps, uh, mm. or at least was fun to listen to. <laughs> if it wasn't fun to listen to, we did not do our jobs. Uh, and, and if you're screaming your opinions to us, you don't got to scream at us. Yeah. You can just write in. Uh, uh, Letters at criticallyacclaimed.net mm-hmm. is our email address, and we'd love to hear sort of your input. Uh, we uh, are we, we are going to record that in a day or two mm-hmm. uh, to give you an opportunity to like respond and talk about the Oscars beforehand. Before, but the, obviously the actual ceremony. But on obviously, Sunday. it's in less than a week. So you know, if you if you don't write in nowish, we probably won't get to it in time. Mm-hmm. But we won't read it until after the Oscars, and I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about after the Oscars. 
Um, so yeah, so that's mm. that. That's that thing. Uh, be sure to tune in to ABC Live Sunday, February 9th at yeah. 8 Eastern, There's, 5 Pacific. I'm, I'm not going to miss it. I'm very excited. Um, you know, it's not a real measure of quality, but it's usually an interesting night. The the Oscars are that that thing that I just can't quit. Uh, yeah. It's it's uh, long ago I realized. It's like that people who keep a... going to Transformers movies after you've grown out of them. It's just like look, I just grew up with Transformers. I just want to see the new one. Mm. You know, like that's the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 one of the uh, f- fandom is a stubborn thing. Uh, it's difficult to put down, even though even you know you've been following this band for a long time and you're still buying their records even though you don't like their records anymore. Um, mm. But it just feels yeah. weird not to. Like, it feels yeah, like a betrayal like, of you. Exactly. I, yeah. This was so important to me for so long I'm going to have to keep on collecting. It's like, I have all of John Carpenter's movies, even the ones I don't like. It's like, <laughs> why do I own John Carpenter movies I don't I'm not, like? I'm never going to watch <laughs> Village of the Damned on purpose again. Like, <laughs> but, I, but I own it. Yeah, just in, just case, in case. Just so I can show off. Look, I have all of his movies. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's more of this sort of fandom thing and yeah, it's hard to put characters, it's hard to put film series, it's hard to put yeah. uh, things you've been following for a long time down, and the Oscars might be one of the last things I ever give up on, uh, just because I, you know film has been so important to me for so well, long. And, and I think the Oscars, again, I've said this before many times. It, it, again, they're not the best arbiter of quality they never have been. Mm. At their best, the Academy Awards raise awareness of movies to people who only go see a handful of movies a year. They yeah. watch the Oscars even if they don't see all the films. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, they see a clip from something like. Uh, Parasite, which maybe they had no interest in before. They see it's won a bunch of awards. All of a sudden, they're more interested in seeing Parasite. All of a sudden, they're more interested in seeing, uh, I don't know, St. Louis Superman. Or, 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 or even cave, Klaus. Or, or, yeah. or Klaus, or The Lighthouse, or something. Mm. Which is one of the reasons why it is so vitally important that we make the Oscars more inclusive than they are. Because mm. we are denying people who make movies that aren't conventional Oscar bait, Mm -hmm. the chance for their movie to be sort of introduced, even in just the tiniest way, to the largest audience possible. Yeah. That's, it's just absurd Mm -hmm. that that's not happening. So, the Academy Awards have a lot to learn. Hopefully they'll they'll get it right this year. <laughs> they won't. Uh, <laughs> but wouldn't it be great if they did? Yeah, um, occasionally they surprise you. Like, occasionally they like do something right. Moonlight, but yeah. yeah that, oh god, that was a good year. <laughs> what a great moment! Yeah. <laughs> it's just like everyone's like, ah, oh, la la land. Well, we all saw this coming. What? Amazing <laughs> moment. Amazing moment. Um, so yeah, so that's the Oscars. We're going to be watching it this weekend. We have more episodes to come before then, but. Got this one out now. Uh, again, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net if you want to email us uh, about the upcoming Oscars, controversies, buzz, mm-hmm. anything we said on this podcast, by all means. Now is the time. Write pretty quickly because we're only going to wait like 24, 36 hours mm-hmm. before we do We've Got Mail to give you an opportunity to write in for that. Um, and uh, yeah, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm Matt William Bibiani. I'm at Winnie Seibold. Uh, buy my radio show. Oh yeah, don't forget to buy Winnie's radio show. It's a new been, one. Haven't been hyping it a lot. Um, I wrote a new radio show. It's called Love at Nana. Nana was the name of the counterculture slash goth supply store. There was one on Melrose and there was one in Santa Monica here in Los Angeles. Uh, it was really, really big in the early 90s. It was where all of the goth kids went. If you uh-huh. went to Rocky Horror, you went to Nana to pick up your docs. And uh, I set a, a drama there about a conversation between a first-time customer and a teenage clerk that work there and sort That's of really the connection they share. Um, yeah, it stars some really, really talented actresses, and I can sell it to you uh, for 10 bucks. Just hit me up on the social medias. You can hit me up on Twitter or even on Instagram. Well, and also, we, can do, we can pay through like PayPal, and I can email you an MP3. Also, if you're a Patreon subscriber mm-hmm. uh, at our top tier, 
uh, you get uh, Whitney's various radio shows for no additional cost. That's true. And in addition to that, you get all of our bonus features, our bonus podcasts at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You get our Star Trek podcast, our Oscars podcast. Uh, You get commentary tracks. We just released an exclusive commentary track for Jupiter Ascending. Uh, You get all that as well. And Mm. you get the whole backlog of every exclusive we've ever done. Um, So that's it. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you at the Oscars. Is that sparmy enough for you? We'll see you at the Oscars. Okay, it's better. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?